ますはい、皆さん、ジェフとジェフです。We're actually drinking on this show.、Uh, Goddamn, Dave. I, I say it all the time. The, the two guests that we have tonight, we were so lucky because the four of us really came in to San Diego Sports Media at the same time. Pretty close, huh? Yeah. And、uh, Julie Brownman's here in town from Denver. Hello, Julie. Hello. Now you remember. We I, rem- I, yeah. I'll tell I, that story.、Okay. I tried to keep Julie from being here. And the lovely and talented and incredibly funny Katie Temple is here. Hi, Katie. I paid him to say incredibly funny. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was just like, we're laughing and thinking about nights. Could you guys imagine? I'll ask you this. Could you imagine being in sports media today compared to when, go back, Julie, Katie, to 98 when we came in? And, I, and I'll expand it out. Bochi, Towers, right? Tony Gwynn, Caminetti. But even with the Chargers, Mike Riley,、uh, was Beathard here?、Uh, it doesn't matter. Ryan Leaf. Shit. We all, we all had our run. But can you imagine doing it today compared to the access that we had and more importantly, the fun that we had in 98, Katie? No. And I think what, what makes me nervous for the people that are doing it now, which they're obviously used to, is all the social media access. Yeah. Because of the fact that you're actually getting your stories a lot of time from following these players on social media,、yeah. where they have all of the freedom, which is great for them, but it's just, it's out there more. You don't have, you know, when we were doing it, if we heard about a trade or a death or something big, we always waited for two sources. One of them had to be the AP, for example, and it was about relationships and the people that you knew. And now it's kind of like anyone's game, for better or for worse. So I think that that would take me some time to get used to. So, you mentioned some great names. So, Buddy Black is in Denver. Yeah. So, he's、Love、the manager、Buddy. of the Rockies. So, yes, in that way, I could still imagine there's still some really good people out there to cover. I mean, we were blessed with Bruce、mm-hmm. Bochy and we we're just talking about Mike Riley, like the nicest man ever. Yeah.、Um, it, but you would never be able to turn it off because even if our, like our TV shift was 3 to 11 30, at 9 in the morning, you have to be on Twitter and tweeting、mm-hmm. out, like, and then you have to take a picture of yourself, by the way, about like, what you're looking like, what you're wearing that night, and、mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's more,、um, it's much more. Okay, so it's, it's kind of funny. Jeff said 98 and where we were at. I remember for Jeff and I, when we started, we do the show, and you're hoping, is somebody listening to this shit? Because, <laughs> you know, obviously you're looking at phone lines, but your boss would tell you, don't ever look at the phone lines. I don't mean shit. And so you, you start to freak out, going, Are we any good at this? And then, as dumb as this sounds, we would actually wait for somebody like Posner to write in the paper on Friday and hope、mm. if you're in there, it better be positive. If it's, you're in there and it's bad, or if you aren't in there at all, then、yeah. you're like, Fuck, nobody's listening. It's the tree falling in the forest. Whereas today, I look at it and go, Man, if we had access to social media, Instagram, Twitter, we can control our own brand、mm-hmm. and we're our own boost.、Mm-hmm. Well, you guys do a good job of that on the podcast, I feel like. Like you're pushing out, you know, what you guys are going to talk about or your thoughts on any of the news that comes out. So, I mean, you can use it to your benefit. It's just, but it's one more added thing that you have to do. You have to do it. 
But it's a good point about Jay Posner because remember he wrote that media column and it was one of those things where it's, you, you know, people will say no news is good news or all PR is good PR. And you're thinking, is he ever going to mention me? <laughs> and if yeah. he doesn't, what does that mean? And to your, but now you, yeah. you could do whatever you want and you have your own followers and it really doesn't matter what a lot of it, other people say, except for your followers. Yeah. You're controlling your brand and how fast that you want to push yourself to, to be out there, which is, is dangerous depending how you want to look at it. It also could be the best thing to ever happen. Right. It's funny. I, I actually talked to Jay yesterday and hadn't talked to him in a while, but you know, we, he and I had a few laps around the track and, but it's great. And he said something to me at the end of that call where he's like, you know, I think about Dave and I think about his family. We, he, we don't really have much of a, a friendship. Unfortunately, I go, dude, yeah, you do. Like, yeah, you do. But Julie and I on Monday, Sunday, whatever day went to Julian. And I said to her that there's a taco shop on the way uh, we went through Ramona and it's still there. There's a North County Times newspaper rack. And I said, we were so infected by John Maffey. Well, I get along with fine. He's a friend, but who gives a fuck what John Maffey thinks? I would goddamn Katie at, you know, three in the morning. You'd be so wired about that media column. There were nights and kids. I drive to goddamn Ramona to get that paper. <laughs> and and Julie and I said, it's right there. They, they never pulled the rack. And you go, holy shit, right? Like thinking back, you go, who cares? Just do your show. So we're all out of the mainstream media now. We all yeah. were once like radio shows and TV. And I know this is a lot of a sports podcasts, but, and we talk about this. I think we've all mm-hmm. talked about this. It's really not that important. Like yeah. you, th- you thought you were the shit, you know, or people made you feel like that, and you get out of yeah. it, you're like, yeah, it's really not that, not that big of a deal, you know, you're not that special. Um, so I don't know. I think that's been like an interesting. You know, it's funny you say that because I had a chance to do a little bit of both because of, of Katie. Let me go and do weekend stuff. If Katie wasn't there or, or CS wasn't there, you'd fill his shift and that'd fill your shift. And I realized I loved radio more because Jeff and I could talk. Number one, we had a great friendship and it was therapy for us to talk three, four hours a day. Whereas I learned quickly in TV, it took me longer to put my tie on and shave before I went on (laughs) than the time I actually got on camera. But if I went from the radio to the TV station straight to Taco Bell, somebody recognized me immediately. And the next day, somebody recognized it and my kids hated it. They hated that somebody was taking dad time. Wow. And I looked at it with Jeff and I, nobody knew what we looked like. So it was like being, as I said, that like the San Diego chicken, you could do whatever <laughs> you wanted. Nobody knew who was in the fucking costume. And for me, I was always grew up really shy. So it was the perfect thing for me to talk to a friend, to try and be funny or try and be informative. But Jeff and I got our, our I, for me, at least I always felt we got the pat on the back deal by doing the games with the Padres and the Padres being so good that as soon as we got off there, it seemed like everybody at Qualcomm Stadium was listening to the show. Yeah. And so right away, people would go, man, I couldn't agree with you guys more. That was awesome. But the thing that, that I'm fascinated by, by both Katie and Julie, is we're a pretty conservative market in San Diego. But I feel like both of you, and Julie, this probably started with you at 690 and then, and then carried over to 4 and to 10. Katie, it felt like it happened with you almost immediately at Fox, is you were immediately accepted. And it felt like you were immediately accepted by the players, the coaches, the group that we talked about. And I'm just wondering, in a business, especially for women, right? We've had this conversation off the air a thousand different times, where you're so micromanaged, but in that group where your media peers, 
whoever they were, right? Dave and I lucky enough to be two of them. But Bochi Bethard, Junior, Tony, right? They loved you guys. You were immediately part of that circle. It was nothing uh, it was nothing sexual. It was nothing inappropriate. You were part of the team. They looked out for you. And it felt like that had a trickle down to the audience as well. And I just wonder for you guys, as you came into this market, how important was that? That it felt like almost instantly you were like, hey, you're one of the group. Am I crazy on that, Julie? Or am I am I right? I'm going to tell you something that, no, I think you're right. I think the athletes were great. The management was great. Katie and I talk about this a lot. You know what was tough is some colleagues. Yeah. I think sometimes your colleagues, some can be wonderful and support you and lift you up. Radio Other, or TV, without naming names, unless you want to. Uh, TV was tougher because I think at that time, it, now there's women all the time doing media. Sure. At that time, it was a little bit more rare. Yeah. Some people, some colleagues felt like you got the fast path and um, treated you like that. Whereas the athletes, and we would talk about this, where the athletes, they were wonderful. And others, other people at other stations were great. And I remember conversations of like, what is happening? We thought it was going to come from the players. Yeah. Or we thought it was going to come from a coach. And that didn't happen. It came from other people wow. that, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and the other thing that we always talked about is because when Julie and I got in, it was more about there weren't as many women. So it was kind of like, oh, you do sports? Oh, are there cute guys? Oh, all of this kind of romantic BS kind of stuff where she and I really just wanted to be taken seriously because we wanted to be taken seriously. And so we worked, which is also of what the players and the coaches see is if they see you working, especially baseball and football, well, all sports, but baseball, especially because it's such a grind. But if they see you in there every day, as you know, the players through thick and through thin, they're going to respect yeah. that. Yeah. So I think that and we always talked about how we because we we were friends right away and competitors, but we never had any issues. So we broke down our days together, how what we were doing, how what we were doing on what stories we were working on. How are we working? Mm -hmm. And we would compare stories and then to your point julie is people think oh are the athletes hitting on you all the time yeah. or whatever no no it's we're the abuse is coming from maybe some of the guys that we're working with that don't think we belong there Unbelievable. and we're coming from a space at least i was where mm -hmm. you know you're trying to fit into a man's world so you're a little submissive around the office and so it's almost like there's this attitude of i what am i doing wrong that they're not accepting here. I'm working my tail off. I don't know what else I can be doing better. Please tell the Trevor Hoffman story. <laughs> can we tell that? Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, because it's not you. No. It, okay, so... Um, <laughs> you know the one I'm, uh, the yeah, one yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Trevor! No. It's, oh, yeah. well, you could... I, yeah. I'm kidding. It's I'm kidding with Julie because she's... It's our greatest story ever. Yes. Together, yes. Yeah. So we um, were both at the ballpark... Jack Murphy. Jack Murphy. Yeah. And um, we want to do an interview with Trevor. Jer because of Jeremy Fikach, remember? Because remember Jeremy Fikach? <laughs> do you guys remember Jeremy? Yeah. So he was a relief pitcher. Yeah. And Trevor made him wear a backpack, a Barbie backpack, yeah. right? You remember? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So we all wanted to get sound or an interview with Trevor. So um, now you can take it. So Julie and I were there, both at the both and we and so we wanted Jeremy was coming back. We wanted to hear from Trevor, and Trevor said, I'm gonna go in. He had done his pregame workout. I'm going to go take a shower and then I'll come interview you guys. So Julie stayed right there with her with her videographer. And I was with my videographer 
Ron Gant was playing for the Padres. Sure. It was his first year, who I ended up working with, sharing yeah. a desk with in Atlanta. Cool. And we were at home plate, and my videographer, who was so talented, but we were also doing a feature on Ron Gant. So he wanted to get some tight, some close-ups on Gant's hands and stuff when he was at batting practice. So I was at home plate with my videographer helping him log and julie was just waiting for trevor to come out and by the way not that i'm not wound up enough right now but when i was first in the business oh wow i was wound up yeah. because i wanted to be perfect and i thought oh my god if i don't get an interview with trevor hoffman it's over then i'm never gonna work again and i'm gonna you know that's what was my mindset so i'm wound up because julie's waiting and with yeah. her mic just waiting for trevor to come out after a shower and i'm all the way at home plate trying to get cut, tight shots of Ron Gant. And I'm looking and I'm looking, I'm looking and I can't miss it. I can't miss Trevor. And finally I looked up and there he was. And Julie's got the mic in his face. Yeah. Yeah. And Dang I it. start running oh, down shit. the line and I'm like, Trevor, will you do us both at the same time? And he got this look on his face. It was this <laughs> like smirk. It was the greatest look of Trevor Hoffman out there. And he's like, Sure. I'll do you both at the same time. <laughs> and Julie went, said that the audio was on. Remember, the audio was on your, your yeah. tape at that time. Oh, when you my went, God. I should have saved that. Oh, my oh, gosh. That was so funny. Would have been my ringtone. <laughs> I mean, like a panicked chicken. Yeah. Like a panicked chicken. We do us both at the same time. Oh, my God. That yes. is so funny. He, okay, so here's the deal. For a guy like me who was sitting there going to a lot of games and I'm trying to fight against people like you, trying to get sound or time <laughs> mm -hmm. from somebody, I think it's natural that you always want to know how did a guy get to where he is? How did he get that relationship? I was lucky that I had a good relationship with Tony Gwynn um, because he saw I was struggling. So he would talk to me after every game. It was the only thing that kept me in the business was Tony would give me sound. And ESPN would say, well, he's the best hitter in baseball, but fuck, are you going to talk to somebody else? And, and it, it always always went that way. And so I would look at, you know, Bernie Wilson had been there a long time and Bernie had his own thing or a guy like Trotter was great with his relationships. And then when a, a girl would come in and you sit there and go, okay, they're doing what I'm doing, but they're TV. Is it easier if you do television and then I'm thinking, all right, how many people here are thinking you have a relationship, either one of you, with these players behind the scenes to move up, to get what you need, something that a, a guy like me. So I think as, as wrong as that is to think that. Did I you think, guys think that? I have thought that on a bunch of girls. Never mm -hmm. did I think that about you two because I knew yeah. you two. But I've covered the Lakers for 10 years. And yeah. you sit there and you go, something seems a little strange. There's too much touchy-feely, you know? And you start to wonder what's going on behind, which whichever, it's, it's up to the players to do whatever they want to do. But yeah, you want to know, am I playing on an even playing field in my career compared to that girl over there who seems like she doesn't know what she's talking about? Or the girl that seems like she's only in the locker room to see what someone might look like with their clothes off. But Dave, can't Katie and Julie ask the same question? When 100%. They're, when that's they're why playing I, it, that's when you guys are playing it above bar, yeah. but, a, but a peer of the same gender may not be yeah. You know, that that's my, that's my yeah. that was my setup was you're thinking well I'm doing it the right way. Yeah. How many girls in here are jumping into the front of the line? Let's say. I, when you I'm know not what, with, doing that. with all the access that you're given, I never felt like even if there was some of that stuff going on and you knew some of the stuff was going on, I didn't really feel like we were getting anybody was really getting hosed. Um, there was a woman that. Um, was on national media that was doing some of that stuff, but she was a great reporter. And Diane she was Sawyer? Starting... <laughs> no. <laughs> Leslie Stahl. No. Uh, <laughs> no, I love Leslie Stahl. Um, 
I, you know, Katie, actually, we had talked about this a lot too. We were very much like, we got to, you're going to play it straight. You want to yeah. be taken seriously. La, 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 la. I don't know. The other women, you know, they get judged a lot, but they're adults. Like maybe we were all too harsh on those people. Like everybody's an adult. Yeah. That's their thing. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, and not to mention that they're not having those conversations as much anymore. That was no. that's yeah. what progress is. Yeah. That's exactly. why we came in at kind of a, a more vulnerable time. Yeah. And listen, men have been getting away with stuff like that for yeah. since the beginning of sure. time. Yeah. When did you guys know you made it? Because that's I a think good question. I think we all feel like at a certain point you're playing dress up, right? Like yeah. somebody's gonna poke this balloon. When'd you know you made it? When'd you know you know what? I belong here. I was doing Nugget Sidelines. It was after I left wow. San Diego. Like I Really? Yeah, I mean I felt like radio San Diego's a stepping stone. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> oh. no, no, no. I'll tell you when I knew it was um big time was sometimes I would fill in. I was the weekend person, the weekend sportscaster. Mm-hmm. And and I would fill in and it'd be Lauren Nancaro. Yeah. And it would be um Kimberly Hunt and Carol. Carol. And I remember sitting there like, oh my God, I'm a fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) and they know it um so that's when i first felt like oh my god but when i really felt like hitting my groove yeah um was i mean i grew up in denver so to do sidelines and like and i love george carl and the fans would i'd come in and they would high five me and i was like yeah yeah this is great yeah katie when'd you know I think mine was more about my performance when I was at Channel 6 at Fox 6 when I was, and I remember I was able to anchor a live show, be comfortable with whatever they were saying in my ear at the whole, at at any time, be able to switch on a dime, not if the teleprompter failed and know exactly how to prepare. So I I think that came because my first job was on the air in 96 with Tarkanian, hosting a show with Tarkanian and then doing play-by-play for Fresno State Sports, which is where I covered Becky Hammond. But um, I think so... I would say about three years into San Diego. So maybe what about two. Olympics for you? Taking nothing away from Channel Six, but when you're when you're asked to do as right. you were, Katie, and you get on that plane, you go, "Holy shit, I'm doing the the Olympics!" Right? Yeah, the Olympics in in 2010 was interesting because it's such a patriotic event. But I was working for an international feed, okay, which meant that we were just doing a bunch of features from all over the country, and then we would, and then so certain countries could just. Pick and where and was it? Where were you in, in Vancouver? Tw- okay, in 2010. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that was just an exciting experience. And, you know, those anybody that's worked those events where it's Pan Am Games or Olympics or anything, you know that it's 18 hours a day. And you just yeah. know for 21 days or 23 days, I'm not going to get any sleep, but I'm just going to grind. And and all of that is just fun to do, especially when you're young and it's yeah. international. Um, it's a little different when you're not just covering the USA. Yeah. Because, you know, after a while I was like, huh, how much do I really care about the German ski shooter, for sure. example, as a, as a, a, you know, an American. But there's always those good stories to tell. You know, watching you and Jeff and I used to have these conversations about you all the time. Um, when we'd watch you at Channel 6, number one, we knew you, we liked you. But then it seemed like they were passing you over for the, the mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. And we go, all right, well, how many goofballs are they going to bring in here? And nothing against any of the other guys. We're friends with some of them. But having been there where you, I watch you work and prepare, 
nobody worked as hard as she did in oh, TV. Right. And if 100%. anybody I've ever, and no offense, I, I never saw Julie work like that, put I a didn't. show together. <laughs> <laughs> but Julie had me on on a Monday Night Football show a couple times, yeah. and she was great. But as far as watching them put the show together and watching Katie for eight hours, whereas you'd see other guys that literally look like maybe 10 minutes a time, and their producers did most of the work, and they're out eating or whatever. You were practicing over and over and over. And it would make me nervous when I had to do it. Like, am I doing this right? Because I can't do yeah. like she does. Her motor is ridiculous on the way you work. Did you feel like you were ever passed over because you're a female? I, yeah, 100%. And I was told that um, I was told that when CS got the job. And everyone in this room knows that we love CS and that he turned out to be a great friend. And I loved our chemistry on the air. But I was absolutely told, like, you're a- you are absolutely ready and we're just not sure San Diego's ready for a woman in that chair. And that's why I left, because I thought, okay. Yes. Because I can't change. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that, I don't think, uh, Julie and I never, you don't pull the woman card because you're, people would say, what is it like being a woman in sports? And I know we're going backwards because things are different now, but sure. I would say, I don't know what it's like to be a man in sports, so I don't know the difference. But I know that, to your point, sometimes we got attacked, and I know that when somebody tells me, I think that you're totally qualified and ready for the number one, but I don't think that San Diego, and it's a demographic-based business, I don't think San Diego's ready to see a woman in the number one chair. Yeah, the good thing I can tell you is somebody who grew up here, they were wrong. But the problem was, unfortunately, they had the hammer. But they were wrong. And and I, it's funny, we talked about this the other night, but, I, you know, you know, I mean, we've all, the, the cool thing in this room is we've all been friends for a lot of years. We have no reason to bullshit you. Like, if I, and, and I don't even say it from a qualified standpoint, what insults me, as much as that insults me, is the idea that this dumb fuck thinks he knows this market. He doesn't know this market at all. And and again, respectfully, it's fucking Channel 6. Well, what's interesting though, Jeff, is that, and I appreciate that, is that then I went to Atlanta, which was bigger, better deal, double yeah. the salary. However, I was doing pre and post for the Braves, but they also said, I said, well, what about live shots during, which is yeah. what Julie did for the Nuggets and the Avs. And he said, well, I just don't know if the audience is ready wow. for a female God. voice female That's voice terrible. during the game. That's terrible. See, what I, I remember, and I thought about this uh, when we left on Sunday. I do remember having conversations with you and saying, and I think, Dave, you and I said it on the air because, and again, we don't have to qualify it by right. talking about our friendship with CS. I love him. He's not a fucking sports guy. He's an entertainer, which is fine. But you were sports, you were ingrained, you were respected, you were liked, and you had skin in the game. And if they had had the balls to put you in that chair, now all of a sudden they could have they could have changed the whole narrative in this town. Forget about eight, forget about ten, nobody really watches thirty nine. But look at what they had the balls to do at channel six, which would have been two plus two. It was the easiest math problem on the board, and he was too fucking scared to do it. He should have just said, you know what, Katie? I can't do it. I'm too scared. Instead of pushing it off on the market. We talked about this the other night. You really, and it's still happening. You have to have a leader with vision. So you, everybody, or a lot of people listening to the podcast know Jenny Kavnar, who used to work here. She's doing some play-by-play games. Yeah, a lot. Um, And so her 
bosses have vision and belief in her, you have to land, even now, even if there's more women, you have to land with people that want to put you on a stage and back you. And you have to be talented, you know, but... At that time, there just wasn't a ton of like your boss at the time wasn't one of those men, and it would have been the right move, like Jeff was saying. They would have would have panned out. It would have been great, but that just yeah. wasn't. He wasn't a visionary. I mean, and I think that when you you're so used to just taking it because if the audience doesn't want a woman in the main sports chair, at that time you're thinking, okay, well, what? That's what I am, so that's why I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, I mean, it, that's why you left, right? Oh no, my contract didn't get renewed. Okay. Let's talk about Jeff Colley. <laughs> Never mind. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, that's why I left. I was either going to go back to Altitude, which is the network of the Abs and Nuggets had just started, or go up to LA to do radio. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, that's right. And I wanted to go home because yeah. I missed the mountains. Right. Yeah. So. That was my story. That's right. Yeah. But what was interesting that you said, I obviously listened to you guys' podcast, but Dave said the other day, and you'll appreciate this. He said, it's when you're, there's so much to give with radio because you have so much time to talk and Mm -hmm. there's so much information that you have to give out versus TV, especially sports casting locally where they only give you four minutes. But he was saying the hardest thing is the small talk. And it's true. In TV? Yeah. yeah. Oh, TV, my God. Okay. The worst. So weird. I mean, for Who someone is the worst? Shy, for someone that's shy, that doesn't do it a lot, right? Yeah. And you're in a 25 market. It's Remember how hard it was to get used to small talk and being good at it? Because the people you're doing this. So small talk is basically when the anchor turns to you and says, oh, Julie's here with sports. Yeah. Or you're going to a break and you have to make. Yeah. 20 seconds yeah. of just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, you have to remember a lot of those anchors that are throwing to you are not sports fans. <laughs> right. So it'd be like, oh, the sky's blue, the Chargers play. And like, yeah. what do you say to that? Yeah. You know? So I do remember a couple of blank looks um, from my anchors that, but th- I, I probably gave them a blank look when we were talking about like world politics. Like if they turned to me <laughs> and were yeah. like, let's Julie. break down Syria, yeah. I'd be like, um... <laughs> I don't know. Julie, my, my favorite thing I've ever seen on TV. And trust me, I had a hard time with it too. But Jeff and I, I remember we're up, we're in LA working all day long and we're doing, uh, we're working for Sporting News Radio. Yeah. And we go back to the hotel and it was a day like Steve Irwin died and I'm watching the news right. and our good friend Crystal Fernandez is doing oh, sports on Fox for 11. Fox 11. Uh-huh. And there's a giant goddamn monitor behind her. Like it looks like it's 80 feet high of a Dodger player. And the guy throws it to her goes, man, how about that tennis match at Wimbledon? And she looked at him and goes, I'm going to pretend you aren't even talking. <laughs> <laughs> and she she like froze yeah. because it's like, hey, dipshit, don't you see the Dodgers right behind my head? What oh are you doing God. talking tennis? Oh and she just gosh. was like, I'm going to pretend you aren't even talking. And then she just started, went right into <laughs> so the Dodgers. Crystal. Is it because you guys did? I never had to. It feels to me like. You know what your opening line is. You know what the opening line, my analogy would be, you know the opening line to the national anthem. And before you can say it, you have to have five seconds of this and then find your note. Well, part of it is because the producer's in your ear saying, we need you to stretch for 10 seconds. So there's a timing thing, right? Or they'll say quick toss. But as a sports anchor, you're not in charge. It's the news anchor that's in charge. You have to take your lead from the main Uh. news anchor. And so if they're good, you're loving it. Yeah. If they're not, you've got to pick up the slack. It's, yeah. But that's where radio helps. Yeah. Is yeah. Because the we're so used to, to, we can, I mean, we could talk for an hour 
about anything, yeah. you know, this heater right there, right? And that's yeah. why I always felt mm -hmm. so much more comfortable making the transition from radio to TV because of moments like that. Like if it was a live shot and they said, oh my God, you got to stretch for 30 seconds. We can't get your video. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. easy, you know? Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was a good. It was also radio. weird when the person next to you that would throw it to you would either start drinking water, put makeup on, or start texting. <laughs> and you're like, you can see it out of the corner of your eye. Yeah. The person next to you is completely off. fucking around. It, they might as well be juggling. It's true. Yeah. While yeah. you're doing your sports yeah. casting. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm flipping you off. Yeah. It's true. It that's, is so weird. But that's one of the beautiful skill sets of focus. You learn. It's yeah. like doing a live shot at a game. Sure. And for now, I mean, and I've been out of TV full-time since 2010, and I can't tell you how that focus during live shots or that has helped me with my businesses. Because yeah. it's such yeah. a, but it's true. You hear they're either putting on makeup or they're, you know, they're putting their shoulders back or whatever yeah. they're yeah. doing. Or they're talking. What's funny is when the other two anchors are talking to each other and you're trying yeah, to you're do like, your sports story. Oh, God. So, and you can hear them? Uh, yeah, I can well, hear them. Right. Just low yeah. enough? Yeah, this well, guy no, fucking sucks. And you see them. <laughs> It'd be like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I remember um, it was a high school story and the woman's name, the athlete's name was Andrea Kuntz. Well, I mispronounced oh, it. Oops. It's not that hard. Okay. To figure out. And Leanne Kim was laughing so hard <laughs> that I couldn't, I was, I could see her shake out of the yeah. side of my eye. And it was like the focus. I was like, just get it together. Get it together. Yeah. Julie, get it together. get it together. Julie. Yeah. Did There's you, uh, Katie, did you have a laugh on the air moment or just when you look back? I mean, I feel like we all had them, right? If you're on live long enough, yeah, there was one, there's going to be one. There was two. one where I almost, yeah, when I was talking about who was the point guard for San Diego State, I had a really close call there. And I even said, whoa, that was close. Because <laughs> it was going to go rated G, or it was going to, it was G, and then it was going to go to RX. And I caught myself. Um, and then, you know, when you're with CS, you didn't know what was oh, going to come out yeah. of it. Yeah. At right. one point, you mean at the time when we were going to break and there was a two shot and he said, remember that Sunday sports show's like an ice cream cone. You got to lick it to like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, and I, and I, and what did you do? I, I, I just, <laughs> I went laughed. like this. Yeah. And I laughed. All right. I went yeah. like this a lot with CS because. Yeah. You want our CS story? So, uh, we love him, right? We love him. And this fucking guy, I brought this story up to him one night at Cali Comfort because we used to go drinking for fight night. So I told this story to Trotter and to, uh, I don't think Sean was there. It was just me and Trotter and CS. So Junior passes away. Now, Dave and I did Monday Night Football at the restaurant for two years. So we hung out with Junior quite a bit. and uh, But CS knew him. Mm -hmm. Like at a different level. Mm -hmm. We were incredibly close with CS, but we got even closer after that. So we call him and we say, hey, we're at 1090 and we'd love to have you in studio to share memories about, uh, about Junior. Now, CS loved this story the way I would tell it to him all the time because he had an incredible sense of humor. But I go, first off, you fucking idiot. You roll into the studio like you're Jesse Jackson or Al Sharpton. You've got a suit. But you, I go, who are these two fucks you're yeah. bringing in with you? Did he have a posse? Yeah, he did. Yes. He had a full entourage. <laughs> and he's in the suit, and he's got the beautiful sunglasses, and he's been crying, right? And Dave and I are like, what? But it's our guy. So we got him. This fucking guy, I told him. I go, two minutes into a 15-minute segment, you go, Tony Gwynn tried to claim he's Mr. San Diego? Who the hell's Tony Gwynn? 
Junior Seau's Mr. I go, what the fuck am I supposed to do there? Seriously. And he I, he goes, man, I was upset. I kind of fucked you. I go, kind of? Kind of. Kind of? And I go, who are these two assholes you bring in? CS used to get those suits. You know, he had them oh, um, tailor-made in yeah. Thailand. Oh, wow. Was he? I'll, Wait a second. You're welcome. Don't You're welcome. over that. He did. Wait. Hold on. Wait, he, what? He did. He had his, he had his, his suits were all custom. Thailand. But yeah, how did he get him from Thailand? He'd send, he had send a guy. Yeah. He had to send was, his measurements. Was he unbelievable though? I mean, just absolutely. When you go, like I, I think about him all the time. The like Raider I, fan in San Diego. He was so opposite of you, Katie. It's ridiculous that you two <laughs> yeah. got along. Well, oh, makes, he loved Katie. Well, I know because, he did, but because if he you was watched like, him in that room, it was so different. The way she worked and the way he worked in the desk right next to each other. Yeah. Holy shit. The, it was, could it be more different? I remember when I went and gone, I was on vacation. Oh my God, he wanted and, to kill you. Yeah, because he had to work so hard. But going back to, well, he did say he looked at me. I was gone for three weeks, so we had to do everything for three weeks. And I walked in, he goes, don't you ever leave me that long. Yeah, you had to do golf. But going back to the reason that CNS, CS and I got along, and you know this from what Julie said earlier, is mm-hmm. that CS said, listen, you do you. Yeah. I'm going to do me. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not a hater. So no. you shine. He was like having wow. the best girlfriend. Julie oh. and I, you shine. Yeah. You're awesome. I'm going to be awesome and do my own thing. Yeah. And and you, I got your back. Yeah. And so I was home free. And from then on, I was like in, totally in. But, and even though when you were not in the room, that's why I always mm-hmm. said to you, like the thing that was always so great is for the last two years of his life, we hung out like Saturday nights uh, a lot. I remember right after my, right after my buddy had passed away yeah, from cancer. Yeah. And I, God, fuck, I was so fucked up in the head. And he called, hey, fight night. And I go, you know what, man? I'm not going to this one. Fuck you ain't. <laughs> fuck you ain't. We're going. And either you're going or I'm coming to get you. And it was great. And I was so thankful, Dave, that we had that show with him where I was able to tell him what he meant to me as a friend for for who he was, who Jim was, who Sean Walchef was. But Katie, anytime your name came up, you would think anybody, right? Guards down, you talk shit, whatever. He yeah. never did. Yeah, because we, t- we, by the way, that was a job I wanted and I felt like I should have had. Yeah. And then, but I, but I was always going to make him feel comfortable because it wasn't yeah. his fault, right? No, I mean, listen, not. I'm a woman and he's a black guy in San Diego. So we both had It was felt going it, to right? a guy. It's not, it was going to a right, guy, right? But I'm seeing that he and I had a little bit in common there. And so. Yeah. True. So he. So rare. That somebody would say to you, I'm going to, you shine. You do. Even you. today. Yeah. Even, right. That's pretty rare. And he would say, and you know CS, he didn't like to chit chat, right? And yeah. he would get, he would get, he would get recognized all over the place. And yeah. he, we'd go to events together and he'd look at me and go, could you please go talk to them? Yeah. Because yeah. he didn't want to chit chat. But he, he told me, he said the funny thing was, uh, he said every show was trying to make you laugh. And he, yeah. Like, <laughs> Did he make, say that? Oh, yeah. Funny. yeah. 100%. Because I told him, I go, we would talk about the chemistry on the show, you know, just looking back on that. Because, look, he should have been on TV till the end. He he should have been doing something, whether it was weather, entertainment, sports, yeah. whatever. Because beloved. And the funniest thing with that guy is we would go out and... Hear that? My stomach growling. Have a sea sucker. Dude, it's all this goddamn beer and wine. I don't know what the hell. There's but, popcorn. But he could he could let his guard down at that table and just talk, and he was fine. He was amongst family. 
But you were so, it was so funny because soccer moms and older guys and everybody would come over. They didn't know who the hell I was. Trotter was anonymous, right? Sean was the guy. But everybody knew him. Everybody loved him. And we would just, it was so much fun to watch because he could just turn it on and he would be better than that person wanted. That's why I always said to him, I go, what I love about that is that guy's going to walk away thinking you're even nicer than you looked on TV. Because he was cool. He was funny. He was. Yeah. He was great. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, me too. Coming up on three years. Man, you know, man. March. Yeah, it's coming up. No, uh, January. no. it was January because you it, called me. I remember yeah. where I was. I had, it will be three years. It was January um, 11, uh, it, it, 11th. I, it's the day, I'll never forget this, man. We uh, Two weeks before, I knew I was getting a divorce. And you're like, what the fuck's going on? That day, I'm in Oceanside with my two kids in the back seat. We get smashed from behind. My car gets totaled. And we're like the northern part of Oceanside. And I have to call my soon-to-be ex-wife and be like, you need to come pick us up. My car just got totaled. And just like this awkward silence, and I get back. And Dave and I were friends with Bob Miller, who's the longtime voice of the Kings. And that night, they were given Bob a statue at Staples Center. And I said... To everybody, I go, I just want to see this. This is going to be the one thing to bring it back. And Jim Trotter called me and he said, have you talked to CS today? And it gave me the chills because I was like, nope. And he said, man, something's weird is going on. And Jim didn't have Facebook, but I remember going to Facebook and people were like doing rest in peace messages. And I was just like, holy shit, that day sucked. You know, I was thinking about it because tomorrow, obviously, as we tape the show, tomorrow's uh, New Year's Eve. And I saw him on New Year's Eve oh, in wow. 2017. Yeah. Sean Walchef took him up for the Raider Charger game. And it was really strange. I mean, CS is always so vibrant and outgoing. But he called me three times while he was like in the car and in the stadium. You're going to come see me. You're going to come see me. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll come down and see you. It didn't seem like a big deal. You know, you see somebody so much that you go, if we don't see each other, we don't see each other. We're, we're, we all know we're still friends. But he made such an effort that it seemed so not like CS. And then when I went to go see him and Sean had him in the front row watching the Raiders stretch and warm up and they're kicking field goals and he looked like he was taking it in. I mean, as strange as it sounds, like he knew that this is one of the last times I'm ever going to see this. I've never seen anybody take in everything they could possibly see and, and enjoy the moment. He looked so different than any CS that I think any of us have ever met. And he was so quiet and humble and when he hugged me, he held on such a long time. It wasn't your casual, hey, buddy, I'll see you. Take care. Drive safe. Happy New yeah. Year. It was so different from wow. anything I've been around. And I asked Sean about that because they were in the car the whole way. He goes, yeah, it was like that all day long. Didn't do a lot of talking, just uh, just taking in everything. And then when he found out that he passed, you, you kind of wonder, was he not feeling well? You know, yeah. Did he understand that, hey, the, the time is short? It's very strange. Weird. And on that same day, uh, that New Year's Eve, uh, I remember we had that conversation because we were here. We were here, and I have a picture of me and Jake. And me and Jake sitting here, laughing, having a uh, beer on New Year's Eve. And I, I said to him, man, this is going to be a crazy year. This is going to be a crazy year. And we talked and we laughed. And, it's, and the next day, uh, your dad passed away. And I found out I was getting a divorce. And I was like, wow, this is off to a great start. And then, yeah, CS was gone. And, man, it was crazy. But, yeah, thinking about that, I remember Dave saying to me in this house 
that night, man, there was something about CS today. You just saying like he just was off. Like if you talked to him, it was very different. never knowing that. When did he pass after that? Three weeks. Uh, it didn't feel like three weeks. You said you said January 11th. I well, keep thinking like January 6th or 7th. I don't know, but it, I, it, well, I don't know. I remember the reason I'm thinking around the 11th. I don't yeah. remember the day, but I was at a town and around there for a birth a 50th birthday party mm. in Cayucas. How'd you find out from you? It was. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, it's it's kind of crazy. Jeff and I get in these conversations all the time when people aren't here, not to be a downer, but as we're talking about life and, and stories, you ever go through your life and you start thinking out, hey, I wonder if I'm ever going to realize when I'm in the best moment of my life. Yeah. You know, and for me, I, I think I, I caught it. I remember thinking it and I can tell you the worst moment where things will never be the same. For me, the, the best moment was Jeff and I got the job at KFMB. I remember going to the restroom, and we used to pass the street sign. I did, for at least the direction I came off the freeway. There's a street called Opportunity, and it was, oh, yeah. it was the street that lived that that went you right into KFMB. Yeah. Okay, near near Channel 6, but Opportunity but was Katie's the street. But Katie's been in Channel 8. Yes, that's right. You know exactly. I'm sorry, Katie. And uh, do you see the sign? Do you know what I'm talking uh-huh. about? And I used to go, that's all we ever ask for in life is an opportunity. Oh. Let me get my at-bat. And so I always look at that sign and go, okay, today going to do the best show I can do. So I re- remember Jeff and I get this show. I'm having the best time of my life and I'm going, holy cow. When I was younger, I had five things that I wanted. I wanted a, you know, a college degree. I wanted a house. I wanted uh, a job that I enjoyed. I wanted to, to be married. I wanted kids. And I, and I remember going to the restroom and going, oh my God, I got them all. You got them all. At 27, I had them all. Yeah. And I remember every day after that was going, I'm, this is the, probably the best part of my life. And then... Uh, December 31st, the, the day with CS was the last normal day I had in my life. Because the yeah. next day, my dad killed himself. And then months later, Jake died. And then you go, like I caught the two moments yeah. in my life, I think, that changed my, the best day and the worst at the same time, where I think a lot of people go through life and don't know until it's passed, hey, that was the best moment of my life, or that yeah. was the worst moment of my life. But that time with CS, that day, I remember driving back going, that was the last normal day I'll ever have. That was weird. Yeah. You know, very strange. Yeah. 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 That's pretty intense that you can remember that, especially the best day, because I think of, I've had a lot of great days where you get, I remember when Al Pando called me and said, uh, we're going to hire you in San Diego. I remember. From Fresno. From Fresno. I remember, you know, getting the job in Fresno, getting my first job in Fresno. I remember, you know, first dates where you feel like you're on top of the world and it's like the best moment of your life. A first date was the best moment of your life? Well, dates I've, have you had, been I've had a lot of... Oh, my God. Well, you know, no, when, you, know you when you mean. have a good first date? Sure. I mean, Absolutely. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, it, that's why it's interesting that you can pick the best, that one. But maybe it's because, like you said, you knew that you had these five things and you just checked off the fifth yeah, one. Yeah, well, and they all mm. went in the wrong order. They all came in the wrong order. Like, I made it completely hard on myself, but I got all five. Like By was, 27. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. hard was that, yeah. though? Like, but, uh, but you don't know at that time. I know, but I'm saying in yeah. hindsight, he accomplished all of that at tw- age 27. And for me, that was my five. Doesn't mean that would be anyone right. else's five. That was just my five, you know. But yeah, it was it was very strange to, yeah. to go at the moment. I used to think, is this as good as it gets? Yeah, it was. That was as good as it got. Katie, tell me, and Julie, I'll ask you because I, I know what fucking Julie's story will be. I'll deal with it in a second. <laughs> I'll fucking take it. Uh, but tell me about coming to San Diego. Because I'll start with you. I'll get, I'll get to her in a second. I, it was your fault. I didn't do anything but try and feed or get <laughs> her. To, yeah, girls got to eat. I mean, a girl's got to eat. Girls got to eat. Goddamn yeah. worst. Katie? You're the worst. Katie, tell, 
How many? All right, let me ask you. How many places had you applied to before San Diego called? How much time do you have? No, it couldn't have been that many. Well, there was, yeah, I was try- I was in San Francisco, actually, um, editing for Fox Sports Bay Area and doing high school sports show. Okay. Living with my brothers, um, working five jobs because I was right. editing, I was reporting, I was working at the, for the A's, I was doing makeup for Estee Lauder, I was doing all these things just to... At the mall? Uh, at Macy's in Union Square. No. Oh, Jesus. I, I was mean, hustling. People watching what? there? I was doing makeup. No, I got it. But I'm saying Union Square? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I had, I was, there were, the, this is when Fox was launching these networks all over the yeah. country. And I had yeah. reached, I had met a VP who lived in the East Coast. And so I would call him every two weeks. Hey, it's just me. Anything? Well, there's a new one launching in Charlotte, North Carolina call and send them your reel. So I was, I would do that. No, 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 no. And finally the one in San Diego was launching and Al Pando and I had a talk and he goes, listen, you are really green. Mm. Um, but I see some things I like. Um, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to sign you to a one year deal. And if it doesn't, if you don't get any better, then at least you have a good reel. (laughs) Um, but if you do get better and you stay, then it's a win win. And that was it. So then I came to San Diego and we launched that network yeah. or that station. Yeah. What year so was that? 99. 99. 99. Yeah. yeah. So we covered. Who was the one? Who was, who had the. Kevin one? Garcia. Kevin Garcia. So talented. Holy shit. Yeah. He was so talented. I can't even believe. And he was only there six months and then Big Fox took him. Yeah. He used to walk around. You know how sports lead-ins are so short we're talking about. He used to walk around. He'd have his shoes off, and he'd wear a suit, obviously. And he'd walk around and just until he found the perfect thing to say. It was just... Oh, I like that. uh, Somebody committed. Yeah, very, very. To the word, to thought, to all of it. His craft. He was... I was so kind of fresh that... I mean, I, I appreciated his talent at the time, but man, if I could reconnect with him... Just brilliant, brilliant guy. And then Fox, Big Fox was like, yeah, we like him. Wow. And then it was Tom Helmer and then Kirby Moss and then CS. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, just you calm down over so there, that, okay? You're so wired tight. Let I me just, you, God, I am. you've not changed. You yelled at me the other day. Yelled at me tonight. You're unbelievable. All right. Let me give this story. Okay. Context. I'll give this story. So I had spent a couple years producing for Hank. One of the guys who filled in was Sean Salisbury. We found out um, they were getting rid of my board op, and I was going to have to run the board, produce, screen calls at KFMB, and I said, no, I'm out. I'm leaving. So Sean called and said, hey, man, I'm going to be the morning show at 690. And I'm going to do it with John Fricky, And I knew of John from CNN. CNN like, yeah. yeah. You know, old school, all those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, wow. And he said, Dan Patrick's brother, Bill Pugh, is the program director. So Bill called and was cool and said, let's have dinner. And we went to the Outback way out in like Penasquitas, right? I'm living in La Costa. I don't know how the fuck they get to Penasquitas. <laughs> So we drive out there, and it's pouring rain. Pouring rain. And I fucking hit it off with Pew immediately. Uh, this guy was the coolest fucking guy. We hung out the whole thing. Here's the story that has been exaggerated 
a thousand different ways. So we're talking about the show, and it's it's Fricky, it's Salisbury, and my brother had the Edward Jones office in Coronado, and I was kind of thinking of transitioning out. They said we're going to pay you fifty grand a year. And all you have to do is be there from 6 to 9. When you leave at 9 o'clock, tell Joe Titino, and Joe signed off on this because we'd been friends. Tell Joe who you're working on to book for the show tomorrow, and Joe will finalize it. It was an insane deal. I go, God, this is great. And he goes, okay, the one thing that we have is we have a female anchor. We're going to have a female sports anchor sidekick. And I go, okay. And I was thinking about our friend, Crystal Fernandez, who, for whatever reason, we knock it off. Yeah, I saw you, Brownman. You were supposed to see it's called that. A fa- it's called a... Watch it. Right. We already heard enough out of you, too. Right down the middle. Fresno. Calm down. <laughs> Fresno. So, Bill goes, I said, man, Crystal Fernandez is here. She knows the market, the whole thing. Well, I'm thinking about somebody from Denver. No, 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 no. I go, Bill, I'm just saying no. Why? I go, because nobody in this town wants to hear from a Bronco fan. Nobody gives a shit. Anybody coming from Denver, Bill's going to be locked into the Broncos. This town hates the Broncos. So Bill goes, well, I think she's really good. I go, all right, well, that's cool. But I'm telling you, Crystal is the answer. The answer, like Allen Iverson. Like yeah. that? Like that. So God. guess who gets the job? Hotshot. Hotshot comes in. Now, ultimately, Crystal starts working there, too. And I'm trying to think of where we were. I cannot, I, goddamn, I should know this, but I meet her. Now, I've not taken that job, and ultimately, Dave and I, it worked out okay. But Julie comes in, and she's great. She's just great. And I said to Bill, I go, fuck, dude, she's great. That's why you're doing your job, and I'm here. But somehow, did I tell you? Or did Bill tell you? How did you know what Bill ha- probably that told me that. son of a bitch yeah. ratted me out. Yeah. And I didn't so, realize that. We started to be good friends, and then I realized that you... Oh, completely. Like, but I've never to- ran from it. But for 22 years, I've no matter where we go... Oh, yeah, this is Jeff. He tried to keep me from coming to San Diego. <laughs> but what... Okay, so outside of me trying to cancel block, your block, career path... Block Julie's dream. I heard right. you. <laughs> I would have been working Taco Bell right now, but okay. You would not. God, you're so goddamn dramatic. <laughs> what? You were at KOA. It felt like you, but yeah. were you looked at, Julie, like a lot of sports radio producers are looked at. Do you felt like at KOA they looked at you and said your ceiling was a producer? Yeah. And that you had to leave? That's why I had to do a KSTO. I had to leave KSTO to go to KFMB, and luckily KFMB gave Dave and I a chance to go on the air. Did yeah. you feel like I have to leave KOA in order to go further? Oh, 100%. Because I would always be looked at as, I got the job at KOA at 22 years old. So wow. I was always going to be wow. looked at as the young wow. that, you know, um, probably wasn't totally taken seriously. I had done stringing at the time, so Joe Tatina would set me up when... Okay, so that's where the... Yeah. So the charges would from. come to town. I would oh, go to the Bronco game, and I would do like every quarter yeah. i would do a 30 second and so i was on extra 690 so they had heard my voice so they knew oh that's how i got it yeah bill didn't tell me that you yeah sandbag. <laughs> yeah damn you bill pew um so that was a big jump from yeah um producing in radio is really fun but there's just a limit to what you're gonna make yeah. and what you're gonna do so you have and it wears to, you out it wears producing's you out. much tougher than hosting 
Oh yeah, because you're trying to get guests, and as we know, maybe twenty five percent of the guests that you book flake out, and then all of a sudden, and as a host, you don't give a shit, right? But as a producer, (laughs) no, it's true. But as a producer, Julie, tell me I'm wrong. We would do three guests. We had three hours: six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. If my six o'clock guest made it, I knew my seven o'clock guest was going to fuck me, and then the seven o'clock would show up, and I'd be like, the the eight o'clock guy is going to fuck me, and it it's just constant. And at the end of football season, when you're like, what the fuck are we going to talk about tomorrow? We we owned it more as a producer than the host yeah, did. Yeah, but I feel like it makes you a better broadcaster when you were a producer and you know what everybody's going through. But yeah. when you got a great get, so I ended up getting Barry Bonds. You guys were talking about, <laughs> we were talking about that. Yeah. The guys that I worked with bet me I couldn't. So I went down to the old mile high with my brick cell phone, talked to Barry Bonds for like half an hour in the locker room. and wow. it was Really? Yeah, it was a lot about um, his plight and how life was tough with him. And I was like, come on, come on, come on, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, and then he agreed to do it. We were out on the field at batting practice, and I handed him the phone, and he expected me to hold the phone for him. Oh, my God. While he was, and I finally was like, no, take the phone. And he, and he was a terrible interview, by the way. Who was he on with? Dave Logan and Scott Hastings. Oh, what wow. year was that? Um, it was back in like 94, 95. God dang. Long How about that? Ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then came out to, um, worked at 690 just for two years. And then uh, Fricky made the move to TV and, or was doing weekends there. Then he yeah. went to Fox and he said they they want a woman to do TV. And that's how rare it was at the time that they were willing to take um, a chance on somebody that did radio. I'd never really done TV. Mm-hmm. And so I started on... Which is so funny, because yeah. to me, it felt like... And Dave, I, I think you would say, I felt like you were a natural, like, right from the get-go. You made fun of me one time, because I was I on the... Yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> funny Shit, story. <laughs> no, no, no. Hey. It's a great story. Um, I was just starting, and I was at the anchor desk, and my pen started rolling, and you were like... And I didn't know what to do, because it's live, and I was like, God, do I, do I fucking stop the pen? <laughs> And you had seen it. You're like, I didn't know what you were going to do with the pen. I was like, what are you going to do with the pen? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. It was pretty funny because you're just like, oh, my God. Not even thinking about what you're talking about. And then he talked to me the next day. He's like, you you went after the pen. And <laughs> <laughs> That's All right. So here's a quick question that Jeff and I get all the time. And it used to be easy to give the answer. I want to get into the business. Mm. What do I do? And we always say, hey, you got to start off with an internship, do whatever you can, be around as much as you can, Mm -hmm. get noticed. Now there aren't any internships. What do you recommend to people, especially, you know, Katie, you you work with people all the time trying to get into this. I get interviewed by a bunch of college kids all the time, and I'm honest as can be. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I just don't know. I I say, find find a coach like you. I don't know what direction. What do you say to people that say, I want to get into the business? I say, well, don't. I do speak at college. I always say, don't also. I say, don't also. I ask, how old are you? Because I'm always fascinated by how old they are and then look at where our own career path was. Julie, you were how old at KOA? 22. 22. When they go 27? Like, dude, 27. Dave's already on the air. I'm already here. You want to start right now? I would say right now, if I really do say don't, I'm like, you really want to have to do yeah. this. Cause, um, I always say do everything you can do radio, do producing, do editing at TV. You got to start writing. Like that's the yeah, only way great. because the people on TV now are, it wasn't the, the case when Katie and I were on TV, 
you're you're shooting your own stuff you're editing yeah. your own stuff you're writing your own stuff and then you're going on tv and some of these people are anchors it's not just you know these kids that are 22 that are doing all that it's anchors that you see that are that is that is brutal and the pay has changed the mmj yeah. stuff yeah, yeah. but right. the pay has changed journalist is yeah. that what stands for yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, Katie, what do you tell them? I do still say try to find an internship. I will still say, because if you think about it, mm -hmm. um, Channel you know, channel 5, uh, KFMB, mm -hmm. um, 739.10, they still take interns. So I do tell people, call the studio and say, hey, I'm a college student at San Diego State. Are you guys looking for interns? So I absolutely, and I also tell them to do that at radio stations. That's my first thing. Yeah. Um, I also tell them that if they aren't dying to do it, to don't mm -hmm. to not do it. Uh, I also make it very clear that you will have to be working on weekends and um, holidays, and if that <laughs> is remotely making you sick now, don't even go for it. Oh yeah. Uh, and then I would say what Julie says. I just say just get in some, just get the live experience somewhere. Yeah. You know, I just had, there was a young man I was working with who wanted to be a sportscaster and he had, was doing stuff at Arizona and then COVID hit and it, it affects mm -hmm. a lot of people in bad ways. And so he didn't have time to put a reel together because we were hoping for his senior year, he could get all this good experience to put a professional mm -hmm. reel together. But he got a job producing overnights in Binghamton, New York. Wow. Nice. Good for him. So... Right, so I'm. You're in. Yeah, you're in, and so yep. you, now you're in, and you get to make call the shots. Even, yeah. and I also say it's even more valuable to realize that this isn't my bag, right? Yeah. If you go and you don't love it, then move on, and and you know early. But it's I remind them it's a grind and it's competitive. Yeah, when you so. when you started, if you go all the way back and look at what you started. Because this is the thing that's fun for me is, and I ask them, what's the ultimate goal? Huh. Like, where do you want it to be? Yeah. What do you see yourself doing? Because I don't even think Dave Dave might know this. I don't know if I've told you guys, but I'll tell you in a second. What was your ultimate goal when you got in at KOA? What, what did you say, Julie? I'm here now as a producer, but ultimately, I think this path will lead me to? Um, so I never wanted to be on the air. Isn't that funny? I, Me either. Yeah, I, I actually Not from a producing. sports standpoint. Yeah. Huh. I ended up at 690 because I, I couldn't make $23,000 the rest right. of my life. And it's kind of a pain <laughs> working with big time talent. Like, yeah. you know, that just... So I got this job at 690 because that I got to do something else, make a little bit more money. Um, so I never had an ultimate goal. Later in my career, I love radio. Mm -hmm. Love radio. And so I always wanted to host a radio show where you bring it in and out of breaks because I was conscious of being a woman then because women there's just a lot of not a woman that do that mm -hmm. and so I wanted to do that I wanted to not just be a sidekick because it was a sidekick at 690 yeah. I wanted to be an actual co-host and drive the show what do you want to do Katie I mean I just say sports center I like um always that was well I like the format of having two people on the desk yeah. I love that Sunday sports show five nights a week See, I loved having you. Did you have radio in your mind at all? I did radio in Atlanta. Yeah. I did I did some radio in Atlanta. I loved radio. Radio I loved radio, but yeah. I wasn't but it was right after the crash and I was making a hundred dollars a day. Right. Yeah. And just do that math. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's five hundred a week. You are smart. <laughs> wow. And don't let anyone else tell you <laughs> like that. Like that? Not. Julie. 
Actually, hundred dollars on radio now is actually pretty good. Like, think about board ops. They're oh, you know, I mean, they're seven twenty-five. I tell this story all the time. Kelly Wheeler, that dick. I'm still friends with him thirty years later. This fucking asshole. Are My you bo- allowed to talk like that on this podcast? Yeah, of course. Every now and then. Only when Julie's here, she signs the permission ship. <laughs> uh, I made $7 an hour. I had two other jobs. I was working at Del Mar and at Santa Fe Liquor. And I go in to get a raise. And while I'm talking, this fucking guy, I told him this story. I was with my kids. He laughed his ass off. He didn't even remember it, which makes him even more of a dick. Seriously. And while I'm talking, he's reaching down into his desk. And I stop. He's like, no, keep going. I'm like, hey, I'm running remotes. I'm on Roger's show. I'm doing all these things. And I'd like to go to $7.50 an hour. Fucking guy puts a manila folder on the desk. And he goes, all right. He goes, I'm going to get you the $7.50. He goes, you know what that is right there? And I go, no. He goes, that's the resumes of everybody who do it for <gasps> $6.50. Never forgot it. Well, but and that's he, unfortunate. But he's still one of my friends. But he laughed his ass off. He thought it was great. But that's how they made you feel. Mm-hmm. That's oh, yeah. it. I mean, you take. We talked about this the other day. You take yeah. a night off, and some other someone else comes in to fill it's in the for you. Worst and you're, relationship. And you're paranoid because they're going to make it. Tell them what happened to you. With, uh, yeah. With no. Yeah. It's a good. Yeah. I was they. I was I was on the rocks at Channel Six, and uh, and I took. They asked me to take a weekend off, which was my weekend. Yeah. And they brought in another woman. Ugh. Who was the woman? Do you know? Don't worry about it. I'm just curious to know if she made it. She did make it, I think. Uh, did she end up at six? No, no, no. I got. I. I saved that job. I don't really know how. Can but, you believe they do that? But so I remember. <laughs> it makes you neurotic. I was, and yeah. and I remember Esta, Esta, who was our yeah. main anchor. Yeah. She was like, "Oh, filling in for Katie tonight." And I was at mm-hmm. my friend Bibi's house, who's one of my best girlfriends that I grew up with in Merced, that was in Escondido at the time, bawling in her arms because oh I was goodness. watching the sportscast. Who was the producer that night? Who helped her get through the show? Oh, I th- I'm sure because that everybody point. would have your back. Yeah, I don't know that I mean. was that was um, Mikey. No, Someone no, Doug? I think it was me. Um, we had our fir- the first producer, Todd Salkowski. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, that is, is Jeff and I. Uh, and, and and our last year at 1360, Jeff would come in every day from like January to the time we were done. I am quitting. Fuck this place. I don't want to fucking yeah. be here. Our agent I fucking will let hate me it. Quit. He would say it all the time, and it would make Ernie Martinez and I a little bit crazy because both of us were like, I, "I was like, dude, I got a kid in school," and Ernie's like, "I got a broken down Camry with eight hundred thousand miles on it." <laughs> yeah. What do you mean you're leaving, Jeff? If you leave, it's gonna fuck all of us. And every day he would come in and say, "I'm leaving." And then we went on vacation, mm-hmm. and they brought in Judd and Nick Hardwick. To, Hardwick. I to do the job. We knew it, and we knew it. I mean, we knew we, immediately. I was in Arizona, and I'm listening through the app, and I called Jeff. I go, "You don't understand. These are our yeah. guys that are replacing us when we get back." And, and did that happen? Oh, yeah. It was like three weeks later. They I was wa- with you that day. Yes. The best thing was they, he walks in with the, the two you know goodbye envelopes. Jeff didn't even wait for our boss to say anything. He stood up out of his chair, ripped it out of his hand, probably gave him a paper cut, and just walked to the door. I was like, out. Yeah, I he, was in my car by the time the intro music to the herd started. Yeah. That's how done I was That's, there. Oh, he was, I hate that. Fucker. I was so glad he made it that long. I mean, I, we, I knew it was over, and I wasn't like devastated but it was the funniest thing to watch someone grab the goodbye envelope out of the guy's hand and not let him get, explain what was happening just like is that the one with my name on it boom gone in the car gone and i was like i guess i'm walking out too but i had <laughs> were you guys under contract it, yeah it but expired. i'd had four people die i never experienced loss i had four people die the chargers had been approved for the stadium and this fucking asshole 
Brian Long, biggest dipshit this town's ever known, wanted us to keep talking stadium. And then when our numbers dropped, he denied he said it. Uh, I just, yeah, I was done. But our agent, Heather Cohen, who I love, said don't do it. Because you walk and then you don't get severance or unemployment or anything else. And Dave said the same thing. So that's a good thing. I mean, when you're doing a show, you, you got Dave, Heather, others. I was seeing Katie. I, we'd go out, right, and get coffee. But uh, shit, I was with Katie that day. And Katie's like, uh, do you want to still go? I was like, fuck yeah. Nowhere else. I, I mean, I don't know if you remember that day. Yeah, well, I, I obviously didn't put it together as quickly as you guys did. But I I was like, is that, were they, are they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, but I saw you on the day we got blown out. Yeah. When, at, we were in North Park. Yeah. Yeah. No, at, uh, I'll tell you exactly, Hazard Center. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And then North Park was out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I was 100. We but, were sitting outside at that. T- we were on the, yeah. at the Starbucks and Hazard Center. But here's the weird thing. Josh, we had had lunch with Josh two days earlier. And he was getting ready. Your, your brother. No, no, no. Palais? Josh Palais. Oh, okay. We're at Tommy's. And I said to him, he was getting ready to go back to Alabama. And I said, do me a favor. When you get back there, every day, take it in. Take in every yeah. little thing you do. Because in five years, you're going to be in the real world. And you're going to look back. I said, from putting the shoes to the jersey to the people you see, soak it all in. Because I said, that's what I'm doing every day at this radio station because I know it's going to be over quick. And we're out. <laughs> I go, well, fuck. I didn't know it was going to be 48 hours later. <laughs> but, every, but every day when I walked in, the people I saw, I took it in thinking every day that's going to be the last day. And on that Friday when it was, Dave's right. I was completely at peace with it. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I was too. It was, you know, it's funny. It's because I don't think there's a time you and I have ever left where you're at peace with it. Except that time. And, yeah, and Free FM was the worst. So Jeff's right. So we, we had a two-year contract. First year, we're killing it. Second year, we're told, talk nothing except stadium stuff. And we're like, dude, we're only talking to people that believe what we're telling them. No one else wants to hear this shit. It's like playing Christmas music today. It's yeah. like, it's over. It, Fuck, move it, on. It was insane. So I remember we went up to our, our boss's office. And he goes, what do you think the issue is? And I said, I'll tell you what the issue is. We're fucking talking about this goddamn stadium over and over. Yeah. Every day it's the same fucking show. Nobody cares. And it's sad as fuck that the Chargers are going to leave. And what we need to do is get back to talking to players and games and teams. Yeah. And he's like, basically told me, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then he looked at Jeff and goes, what do you think we should do? Jeff goes, literally word for word. We need to talk about players, games, teams. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. A forward thinker. And I'm like, what? what the fuck just happened? Who just said I was smart over here? <laughs> I'm just like, I swear to God, he just repeated everything I just said. And I'm like, we're fucking out. As soon as he yelled <laughs> yeah. at me, I'm like, we're out. We have yeah. no chance. That was it. But we were both fine. And then we have yeah. not applied for another radio job yeah. since because we we're. I, I was saying to Jeff, I go, dude, this is the way to go. Podcasting is the future. People are downloading. Young people aren't going to the radio and going, oh, shit, at 7 o'clock, I got to tune the, turn the radio station on. Yeah, what's a drag radio-wise, and I think you guys, it's probably the same, unfortunately, TV, too. Katie, you know it. You're here. Julie, you've been here for five days. Maybe you've seen it. The thing that really was fun, circling back to what we talked about, when we were all coming in in 98, or around that time, you knew the personalities. You knew the personalities on radio, right? Sean and John and Saw. And and Steve was there. I think Billy Warndell was there, were, right? Yeah, they were. Dave and I were lucky enough to be on KFMB. And at KFMB, which was such an iconic station, you know, you had Hudson and Bauer. Stacey Taylor was there. 
Dave Hank was there, right? And then Dave and I, Rick Roberts had made a name for himself, and we were able. And then we had, you know, Mike Tuck would come down and Barbara Lee. I got into it to be on FM. I was thrilled. I went to KSDO. I thought I was going to be a jock on KCLX. I had no interest in news talk. AM radio, nobody listened to that. So I spent every day with John Leslie, who's an iconic guy who unfortunately passed away. But I was in there pulling CDs and watching him do breaks and watching him do the whole thing. And that's what I was doing. Fuck, KSDO was paying me, I guess. But I was doing it because... uh, you know, Joe Titino was on the board at Columbia School of Broadcasting. And I said to the great Ernie Myers, who was longtime voice of San Diego Radio, I go, fuck, I might go there. He goes, Jeff, why would you go there? You're here. You're, look at the people in this room. I mean, Ken Kramer, Ken Yearwood, oh, these Ken iconic yeah. voices, Roger, right, that were showing it. But then on the FM, Sudelaney, Cole Lewis, Berger, uh, no, Bergen Prescott were there, Rublin Thrower. Uh, but my friend John Leslie, John Dion, Charlie Weaver, they they were unbelievable. And I was, whatever, Julie, probably like that. Like I was, I was 23. Wow. But I got in, I go, fuck, I'm going to be an FM jock. I'm going to learn how to do this. And then we got pigeon, well, not pigeon, I mean, you end up on AM. So that's why I asked you guys how different. Um, do you guys remember, just a couple other quick stories. Dave was on vacation, and it was Valentine's Day at KFMB. And I knew Julie because by that time she'd reminded me a thousand different times how I tried to keep her. You did. Yeah. I did. Well, you did. Yeah. yeah. But it was nice that she let go. Your exact but I, line was, nobody gives a shit. That's what you told Bill. What? You said she's oh, coming yeah. from Denver. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody wants to hear a Bronco <laughs> fan, Bill. Uh, but I didn't know Katie. Like, we've seen each other at the press box or said hello. But I had you guys come in. I didn't know until you guys said it on the air. You're like, yeah, it's kind of nice that we're both in here on Valentine's Day, (laughs) which was so funny. But the night before, Dave, you'd been gone for like a (laughs) week. That's (laughs) right. And we had Pink Point Loma had filled in one night. It was really fun. We had a listener night where like four listeners all came in. And then Mark Grant was in the night before you. And he said, who's coming in tomorrow night? And I said, it's going to be great. It's going to be Julie Brownman and Katie Temple. And Mark says, I'm calling in. I'm going to crank call the show. And we go, we'll do it on the air. Mark says, I'm going to crank call tomorrow night. Be listening. So you guys come in, and you're just great. You're just great. People are taking calls, and I don't even know who he was, right? Joe in San Diego. Well, I'd like to know what these two women are doing. He probably called you hussies or whatever. And my board op, I'm trying to, I don't even know who's on the board. If it's Brian, he, Wilson. Brian Wilson's on the board. And we're dying. And Browman is like, oh, really? Katie starts getting heated. Oh, is that right? And uh, you two should be in the kitchen. And he's just every stereotype, right? And I'm like, shit. A few minutes in, you figured it out. But then eventually. Tightrope here. Wound up clock. Oh, boy. I was like, wound like a clock. Yeah. I do remember looking at you and yeah. seeing your face like. She was okay. wound. Like, she was, ready to, she was ready to throw. And then Mud goes, Love it. hey, Katie, it's Mud. <laughs> I think that's the closest you ever came to saying fuck on the air. Because <laughs> you were almost like, fuck you, Mud, you asshole. That was fun. Oh, my gosh. That is funny. That is, and, all right. 
So go ahead. You have another one. Sorry. I just I drive by Qualcomm Stadium where they're tearing it down, and <sighs> we had a lot of great memories in that place. But my favorite Katie Temple story of all time is one night we're just hanging around and uh, it's like nine thousand people there. Remember that? It's just a small night. Tom Krasovic's writing his story that nobody will read. Fucking Sean O'Neill's writing his story. And Katie and I are just sitting in the back bullshitting like we always do, making too much noise. And the PR guy, John Dever, and I said to you the other day, like I'm looking at her like this. We're just talking in the back row. And John Dever, the, every night they announce the attendance. Uh, tonight's attendance... 27,200, and Katie, without missing a beat, in the press box, turns and goes, bullshit! What? And then comes right, comes right back to the conversation. And I'm like, calm, I'm like, calm down. What are you yelling at him? But I swear, Katie. My parents would be so proud. Oh, my God. But the 98 World Series, we were there. Charger games, when they came home. Yeah. I saw the Stones there, the Who, you 2 twice. The bullshits, right? Story on Jeremy Feekotch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Were you guys both did Trevor at the same time? God, that was... What's oh your Qualcomm God. memory? Each of you. Dave, you too. Want me to go first? Sure. Uh, for me, my best Qualcomm memory is, uh, is my relationship with Tony Quinn. I, uh, I think by far. I'm not going to... It's not like one moment where I'd say mm-hmm. this is the one moment. It was uh, a relationship with Mr. San Diego, who, uh, honestly, if it wasn't for Tony, I wouldn't have a chance to probably even be sitting here tonight. Did he know that? Yeah, I told him. I mean, it was was such a running joke. He'd always say to me when I'd come back from the other locker room, he would say, who told you to go fuck yourself tonight? (laughs) And and it was, but he kind of showed me how to talk to players. I had no idea. I mean, I, nobody trained me. I was an intern at 690. And one day I picked up the phone on a weekend and I was the only one in the building and they said, we need someone to cover the Padres Braves game. And I said, well, there's nobody here. They go, can you do it? And I said, fuck yeah, I can do it. Yeah, you know? And uh, I was 22. Okay. And I said, I can do it. And they go, that, you're really good. You want to do the rest of the season. And oh, it went wow. from that to Chargers to I asked, hey, does anyone do the Lakers? And they go, you're willing to drive and do all the Laker games? I'll, go, I'll do the Lakers and the Clippers. Was Josh born yet? And so, yeah, Josh was born right when I that? started my radio Driving career. from here. Yeah, driving from here. And it, I would leave at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'd come home at 2 o'clock in the morning every day. Yeah, and because uh, the Lakers and Clippers were switching off, it was it was crazy. But it went from and the reason I said I could do it was I remember Oprah Winfrey saying, "Someone said and we needed to do a story. Do not to run a camera." And she goes, "Yep." She said she had no fucking idea to run a camera. Never ran one, and she mm-hmm. she just lied her way through it. So I said, "Fuck yeah. it, I'm gonna try it. What do I have to lose?" And so I got an opportunity. And Tony goes, "Your pro- uh, problem is you call everybody Mister. Every time mm-hmm. you go to talk to somebody, you go Mister Bonds. You got a second? Go stop that shit. Just call them by their first name. You're putting them at a different level. They know they have you by you calling them Mister, and, huh. it, and it changed everything for me. Wow! But it was always who told you to go fuck yourself today. And then he did something really <laughs> cool, funny. cool for me in uh, in '96. It sucked. They had a great year with Caminiti and everything else, but they got swept through the playoffs by the Cardinals. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And so the Cardinals win here in San Diego, and I have to go to that locker room for ESPN, and I get soaked. With champagne. And I mean, it's great if you're in a locker room, if it's a team you like. But then <laughs> I went back to see Tony and I, and he's like, what's it like over there? And, you know, I said, do you really want to know? And so I, you know, told him Ozzy Smith stories and what's going on. And he goes, man, I go, dude, it sucks. And he says, yeah, today's not a good day. And I said, man, I, go, I missed my kid's third birthday today for this shit. 
And he goes, today is Josh's birthday. And I said, yeah. And he grabbed his bat. Then from the story is he only used one bat the whole year. He didn't break it. And he grabbed his game bat and he autographed his one that he won his seventh batting title with. And he goes, give this to Josh for his birthday. Oh, my God. And the Hall of Fame yeah. came asking for that bat. And he said, no, I gave it to a friend. He goes, you guys have enough of my stuff. He, he, I'm not giving that bat. And wow. so he, he gave me that bat for the season for Josh's birthday. But, yeah, my one big memory was Tony. By um, far. Who did yeah. tell you to go fuck yourself? Do you have any of oh, those God, stories? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, a shitload of them. <laughs> Oh my God! A million. Who was of them. the worst? Who was Tony the... Fernandez? Tony Fernandez was a bad one. Joe Torre was bad. Joe Torre really pissed me off because I was young and I was broke, and Joe Torre wanted to fight me, and I had my hands down. <laughs> I just was, I wanted him to punch me so bad, and Bernie Wilson and Kevin Scatterici from fucking AP <laughs> were pulling him back, and and all you can hear in the tape is Joe, Joe, calm the fuck down, Joe, calm down. <laughs> Tell him about and, your uh, father-in-law's and, mic. Uh, I will, and he goes. And, and I want him just to punch me. I go, Joe, just go in and hit me. I'll be driving a brand new car, you asshole. Um, but he, he lost his shit. And then he got fired by the Cardinals like two weeks later, and they got hired by the Yankees the next year in Hall of Fame. Um, oh, yeah, so I break into this thing. Just as, as I was saying, I didn't have any equipment, didn't know what I was doing. And my father-in-law had, well, had a nice microphone he liked to sing. He used to sing like Dean Martin. And he had the this <laughs> machine that he would sing into all the time and – I stole his microphone and I just plugged it into a tape recorder and I used it to, to basically go down to the stadium and fucking the Phillies are in town and I'm down on one knee in that goddamn manager's office right in front of Jim Fergosi and I asked a question and I don't know if it was my question or someone else that pissed him off. He just got so mad. He just fucking bam, <gasps> just jacked the microphone and punched it as hard as he could and he broke it. And he broke oh. my father-in-law's microphone. Oh. And I used to try and sneak this thing back in the house and put it back during the day. So my father-in-law had no idea I was using it. But he broke the fucking microphone. And I was like, this son of a bitch was like my dad's favorite player growing up. I heard a million Jim Fergosi stories and he broke the microphone. I was like, asshole. So what'd you, did you have to replace it? Yeah, but I didn't have any money. It was yeah. like 200 bucks. Yeah. I didn't have any yeah. money. Oh, it sucked. His father-in-law was the nicest. Yeah, guy nicest in the guy world. going. That's he was like he was like eighty years old and got this karaoke Jones. mic. And it he was fucking got it broken. But wow. honestly, what what's worse than that whole like having to get on your frick, your knees? Oh, no, it sucks. Yeah, interviews. it's ridiculous. You know, yeah. our, Brian uh, Wilson had a bad story, but that's for Hotty. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry. So, favorite Qualcomm? No, memory. that's a good story. I didn't know that about Tony. That's it was a great. Really cool. with yeah. The bat, awesome. yeah. Does Junior know that story about the bat? Yeah. Okay. Here's oh, yeah. here's something crazy. Is um, I was giving Junior shit yesterday. That was he's, great. He's giving me a hard time on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. So, um, you know, I tell you how great Tony was because I think about this all the time as a parent. Is you protect your kids like crazy? Well, Tony was always extremely busy, and even at a home, remember in Indiana and stuff, and to try and get away from here. And um, Kobe Bryant's making his debut like in the summer league. And we all heard about Kobe Bryant and Tony's playing with the Padres. And um, I told Tony, I'm going to go watch. And he says, hey, can you take Anthony? And I said, dude, no problem. So I go to his house and I pick up Anthony. And I think Anthony might be less than maybe 10 years old. I mean, maybe younger than that. Yeah. And like, I don't know anyone that would give your kid to somebody. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I mean, put it this way. Jeff's kids are 13. I don't. How many people do you trust to come pick your kids up for the oh, day and like, drive them out yeah. of the city? Nobody, maybe you three. And so I, I, I pick up Anthony at the house. I'm driving, and we're driving to, to Long Beach to watch him play in this game. Then I'm supposed to drop him off at his grandmother's house afterwards. And 
we're we're talking and we we get along great and we always talk Lakers and I remember at one point I asked him two things I asked him what's it like being Tony Gwynn's son like when did you realize your dad's different than everybody else and he goes man he goes a few years ago I realized everybody wanted my dad's attention he goes I couldn't understand I never wouldn't care about my friend's dad's attention why did everybody <laughs> yeah. know my dad yeah. like it was it's just my dad but all of a sudden it was a really big deal and uh, I was talking about something else, and we're listening to the Padre Cardinal game on the radio. And he basically told me, hey, shut the fuck up. My dad's batting. Like, yeah. like hey, enough out yeah. of you. Let's see if my dad gets a hit right here. I was like, ah, oh, shit. You know, uh, and so we became good friends, too. I mean, and I call him Anthony. I don't call him Tony because Aunt Tony called him Anthony. Yeah. So a few years ago, uh, when Tony died, Jeff and I were doing shows for Fox Sports National. He's here. I'm coaching in the Junior Olympics, which – or on the fields where the Padres play, Mariners, Dodgers, all that stuff. And I'm happy to be that day. I'm supposed to be at the Peoria Complex. And I go into the dugout, just found out Tony died. Super upset. Yes. Tears rolling down my face. And I walk, first guy in the dugout, and in the corner of the dugout is a Tony Gwynn Jr. bat. And it has a crack in it, and it's in the dugout. And I went, what the hell? It was so weird finding this bat. Yeah. Now, Tony Gwynn Jr. had not been with the Padres for years. Why would that bat be here? And there have been games going on nonstop all week long. Why? How did no one ever, ever take that bat? It was so strange. So I, gra I grabbed it. You know, I grabbed it. I called uh, Anthony and said, I found your bat. He goes, why is my bat there? doesn't make any sense. And, uh, and I had him sign it. It's right next to his dad's bat in my, in my office right now. But it was very, very strange. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I love that kid. And I call him a kid, even though he's almost 40 years old. Know, but crazy. Um, the way he laughs like his dad, I mean, when I think about it, man, I tear up all the time thinking about Tony and thinking about how Anthony was ripped off, and especially now that he has a son and didn't get a chance to experience that. Because you know Tony would have loved having a grandson. Yeah. You know? But how so, special is Junior, Dave? Sorry. Oh, how special great. is Junior that a guy did what he did? Played D1 college baseball. A lot of people haven't even done that. Played minor league baseball. A lot of people don't do that. Played major league baseball. And I said to him, I go, man, I don't know if it's a bigger tribute to your parents or to you or the combination. But I said, so often when you're stopped, people want to talk to you about your dad. And obviously you guys were close. But I don't know how many people other than Junior have that kind of, you know, and just that mental breakup or mental makeup where you can just sit there and people want to talk to you about your dad. And he's like, he's thrilled to do he it. He loves it. I, I said the same thing to him. I just he's said, special, you're guy. just, you handle it all with such grace. Yeah. And he said, I'd rather have him talking about him than not. Aww. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Julie, what's your, uh, what's your Qualcomm memory? Um, more like, Dave, it's not a moment. It's really about covering the Padres yeah. and around that World Series time. And we talk about Bochi a lot, but he's uh, incredibly special to cover. I've covered covered athletes and coaches in San Diego. They went to Denver and did it. And he is one of a kind. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right? Makes you like ask how you are, makes you feel special. That is so rare. And he has the ego to not act like that or the accomplishments not yeah. to act like that. It's just really fun covering that team and, um, different, yeah, right? Different. And, um, it was like a, more like a home thing rather than a, an assignment or a, a job. Yeah. yeah. I would, I'm mine's the same as Julie's is really that it was the first time that, you know, I was covering the major league, major league baseball in the NFL. I mean, yeah. That's it's there's a lot of memories there, but that's what I remember is that that was a big job. We got to go there every day for baseball and then the NFL and 
you know the the one guy we didn't mention and and it's he goes right in this group i think all of us dealt with him i mean we talked about junior tony boach all those right rodney harrison for me just thinking about him rodney harrison for me and and it's funny we had him on a couple years ago man that was because all of those guys like junior i'd known since high school so we had a different kind of friendship tony all those guys but man there was something about rodney And he was another one that when we were getting going, and we didn't know left from fucking right. Boy, he would look out for us, and he would come on that show, and uh, and Trotter, you know, talked to him. But then we had him on, and it was fun telling that guy, like, man, I appreciate him, right? Because we look at it when we're young, we were just doing it for fun. Like, when did it? My final thing for both of you, and and you guys may have addressed it. When did it change? When did you know, right? I asked you earlier when you knew you made it. When did you know it was a business? Was it that night, Katie? Which night? Well, the night you <laughs> talked about when you were at BB's house. When was when was the yeah, night? Yeah, I mean, I th- that's a great point. Maybe maybe then. I mean, you're replaceable, period. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe then when I was just, "Hey, you have the weekend off." And I thought, "Huh?" And you're sitting there watching. I was sitting there watching at BB's house with her and her husband and sat on the couch and watched it and bawled in her arms. Mm. Yeah. Wouldn't you know, Julie? I would say when I realized it's not necessarily about how good you are. Mm-hmm. It's about, mm. uh, does somebody like you? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody in a pow- more powerful position like mm. you? I think that that was a startling, you know, like, oh my God, I work so hard and I do this and I do that. But if somebody doesn't like you then your path has changed right yeah i was thinking about that today how many people i watch on tv where somebody had to go i like that person Mm -hmm. otherwise it's on all you need is one yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's it's, you just i mean but everybody that you see on television has that one yeah you know yeah i mean we had in radio for me it was jagger and christie jagger and christie 100 because i had no interest in being in the air or on the air uh, they put me on on the FM, and they got in the year of Tracy Johnson. Yeah. Until you got to put them on the air. You're wasting Well, it was them. Bill Pugh for me, despite Oh, your... is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Never but met the, him. But the other... No. Never met Rodney him. Rodney Harrison, and I, you would agree with this, and I, you guys would all agree. Those Charger teams were really bad in, yeah. you know, when we were covering them. No matter what, Rodney spoke. Even always. when they went 1-15, and 15, he was standing there, and I always admired that because you would see everybody else's butts yep. walking yeah. out the door, and Rodney would sit there every single loss. And Terrell Fletcher always, oh. too. Yeah. You but, know? Oh, and Junior. Yeah. And Junior. I, <laughs> uh, junior was great for us, but Terrell Fletcher, I'll never forget, uh, we had to do a show um, from – UCSD, right? That's where they were. Where they practiced, where they did spring training. Yeah. Before Carson. Yeah. And I made the mistake. uh, I made a lot of mistakes, NyQuil and everything else for that show. But on this particular day at UCSD, and Fletch and I share a birthday, so I would bring it up all the time. So he's sitting there, and earlier that day, I had a wisdom tooth pulled. And, but I'm like, come in, because I'm all jacked up on something. I'm doing the show. But you guys know when you have a wisdom tooth pulled, you're, it doesn't stop. Like you've got cotton in there, the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, so I don't dip, 
but I'm spitting in this cup. And Fletcher's like, Jeff, I'm going to pass out. Stop doing that. I'm like, I can't swallow it. it he's so, such a nice guy. He's so sweet. And he's just like, Jeff, stop. I'm going to pass out. I'm like, I can't, what am I going to do? He's like, why the fuck do you have a wisdom tooth pulled out the day of the show? Good but, point. But those guys, man. Rodney yeah. used to say, we're going to punch him in the mouth. Oh, Always. Yeah. You know, I use that as a baseball coach all the time. Do you? Yeah. I use it all the time. We're going to punch him in the mouth and score in the, right away in the first inning. And I said, and we're going to determine basically the rhythm of this game by nice. punching him in the mouth. I completely stole that from Rodney. Did you? It, yeah. Nice work. Yeah, I use it all the time. The day he left, I can look at two days. Yeah. When yeah. The day he left, when they got rid of him, yeah. I wasn't even a Charger fan. God, that one hurt. Yeah. that Like Junior, you, you kind of knew where we were rounding down. But that still sucked. And when Larry Lucchino left. Yeah. Because as a Pods fan, we knew that I just was, yeah, it was fucked, right? You hey, guys are the, oh, go ahead. Hold on. We got to knock out a couple things here. Then I got, I got a couple questions oh, okay, for cool. you as well. But you got 10 minutes. I know Julie's freezing and she has an early flight. You got 10 no, minutes? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. okay. Yeah. Hey, I want to mention Dan Williams. Dan Williams, again, is a guy that has helped us out again this entire year. We, we wish him a happy new year. He's been so great to the show. Dan Williams, again. You want to be out of debt, you want to get out of the rental market, you want to buy your first house, make sure you give Dan Williams a call, 858-688-6813, 858-688-6813. Did you, get the, uh, did you get the FedEx package from Dan Williams that I forgot to mention the other day? Okay, that's a great question. Were the cookies? Unbelievable, Okay, right? well, fuck, he signed it. Hey, Dan. And I'm like, well, who the fuck? I only know 80 Dans. Don't no, be afraid look, to put your last name on it. If you looked at the label, it said Dan Williams. I can't see shit. I saw Dan. God. And I'm like, all right. I went through like 80 Dans, and then we all as a family said it has to be Dan Williams. It was. So, Dan, I forgot to mention it the other day. Incredibly nice. I lost them all, shockingly. I lost those in the divorce. They were. <laughs> I brought them over to the house. I'm like, hey, look at this. And two kids, and they're grungy, uh, or not grungy, but they're... Their mom's like, we're taking What's them going on on? I know. She'll hear it. I'll be, she'll be like, oh, no, of course not. But uh, that's where they are. But how nice was that? Dan that Williams. That was very, very, very nice right there. Again, 858 688 Well, uh, thanks to Dan because everybody's got to be debt free, right? Yes. So when you get that opportunity, nothing better, especially when you're buying a house. Uh, give him a call. Tell him Dave and Jeff sent you. All right. Hey, Brian Curry, again, when you're ready to buy that house, just like Jeff mentioned right there, Jeff told you on the last show it's going to be an exciting year for him. Until and- I get my catalytic converter replaced <laughs> tomorrow at about $29,000. But other than that, it'll be great. Well, if you're buying a house in 2021, you're looking to sell a house in 2021. Look, don't forget, Brian Curry is the best there is. He's been doing this more than 25 years. Brian Kerr is your guy, the best real estate guy we know, 619-251-1588, 619-251-1588. Dave, I'm moving to Winola. I figured it out the <laughs> other that? day. Where's that? I'm way out on the way to uh, Julian. Oh, really? You go through Santa Isabel, and then you go through Winola, the barn with the pizza place. It'll take me four and a half hours to get here, and I don't have snow tires, so I'll probably drive right off the road, but somehow figure out how to do it from the ICU. Uh, no matter where you want to live in San Diego, Brian can help you find it. I'll either go there. Tell you what, a lot of nice places in downtown Spring Valley. Goddamn, I was talking to a couple of kids who live there. I go, how's it going? They go, well, other than gunshots every night, I said, you know what? Sign me up. Fuck that. <laughs> I always say City Heights is a shithole. Get the fuck out of Spring Valley. If you live in Spring Valley, why? So two places. I love IB. I love Winola. I love La Costa. 
fuck you, Spring Valley. I'm never coming to that shithole again. Or City Heights. Or City Heights. But if you need to sell your house in Spring Valley, we won't tell anybody that there's gunshots and SWAT units every night. We'll get you the hell out of there and get you into a nice town. <laughs> Brian Curry will help you do it. If you're ready for that brand new pool, look, it's going to be great. I know right now it's a little bit cold, but it's hardly oh, ever it's cold. cold. It is warm here 330 days out of the year. Taylor May Pools, Alan Taylor standing by. Now's the perfect time to call. Schedule that appointment to get that brand new pool. Don't forget, Alan Taylor will make your backyard a staycation. 619-449-4452. 619-449-4452. Tell you what, for the first five people, and I got into it with Amy tonight, she said three people. I said five people. And then she hung up the phone, yelled at me. Didn't even wish me Happy New Year. Can you believe that? Uh, if 2020 wasn't bad enough, we found out today that the world lost Don Wells. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Fuck, you're lucky I'm even here. It's been goddamn morning since one o'clock this afternoon, and I didn't even know she was even married. The professor and Mary Ann. Voice of an angel. My God. Here on Gilligan's Isle. Your talents are limitless. If I knew she'd been, I'd been single. Yeah. Told Jackie Kate's mom. Did, uh, did you know this? Uh, she passed away today. For the first five people, cash purchase. You will get the Dawn Wells silhouette pool. Don't worry about what Amy says. We'll get that pool in the silhouette when the family comes over. They'll be like, is that goddamn Marianne? You're goddamn right it is. Call Taylor Made Pools. Tell Amy and Alan. Dave and Jeff sent you. We've had the Pam Greer silhouette pool, yeah. right? Yeah. We had the Vera silhouette pool. Yeah. And tonight we're doing Don Wells. Again, it's the first five people, cash only. Uh, don't let Amy say only three. First five, cash only. Get the Don Wells pool. May she rest in peace. Kyle Fluker, he's the guy you need to call for that perfect <laughs> website. Also, the guy that needs a little bit of a, hey, you okay? You hanging in? <laughs> Kyle Fluker, big Cubs fan. Things not going so well. Look, that brand new website that you need to help jump start your business, or if you're looking to start a brand new business, make sure you call Kyle Fluker, 619-500-6621, 619-500-6621. Our friend Julie Brownman right here has done three different websites with Kyle Fluger, who's fantastic. I just have to tell you. In a, in a rough day, I can't think of anybody worse to be friends with than me and Dave. Because Fluger <laughs> <laughs> is a Cubs fan, and we're telling him, we're killing him. You guys Listen. are so cocky, though, now because of Blake. Cause, no, because of Darvish. Both. We're lighting him up. So I said, hey, listen, don't feel like you're all alone. So I start sending him pictures of Hillary Clinton in a Cubs hat. <gasps> John Cusick in a Cubs hat. Who's the the governor, Rod Blodonovich? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's in a Cubs hat. And then I sent him Bartman, too. And he goes, you son of a bitch. That's how it is. Uh, the guy's great on website and incredibly patient with us. You look like the kid from... Uh, the kid from Fat Albert who had his remember the yeah. little kid from Fat Albert who had his cuff up over his nose? No, yeah. it, was, it was I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was the hat that went over his nose. It was the hat. Oh, yeah. that's right. Oh, what a hey, show. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey but hey. uh call Kyle and tell him Dave and Jeff and Julie. Yeah. And Julie. Katie. Yeah, Julie raves about him actually too. He's, he's awesome. so patient. I'm freaking oh my out. God, like, what the right? fuck? No. Like, calm down. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely great. I do want to mention, he did a great website for me, jakesprojects.org. Yeah. And uh, we, we did a little bit of a push this week for people to donate during the holiday season. 
Billy, who's been a fantastic yes. listener to this Love show him. and has been very supportive of other charities, stepped up big time. I won't announce the amount of money that he donated this week, but it was a substantial amount. So, Billy, thank you so much. Well, the great news is, Dave, every time Billy donates, Pete and Point Loma says, I'm going to beat it by $2. That's so, Pete, we look forward to that check. <laughs> That's right. It's going on. Pay up, we asshole. Pay up, <laughs> you little crocodile arms. All right, you guys can play along in this one. We do this one. But this is right here. The, even though it's the last show of the year, it's actually the best day oh. for celebrity birthdays. Oh, celebrity Okay, birthdays. celebrity birthdays, you got to play the game. How old are they and how much are they worth? Oh, I like oh, this. Okay. It's okay. ready? So there, everyone on here is a giant name. I'm not even going to get through all of them, but I'll, I'll name a couple. LeBron James. Mm. Katie, how old and how much is he worth? Is he 37, 360? Six hundred and fifty million. Go ahead, Julie. Thirty-eight, and he's worth seven twenty-five million. Uh, I can do this math. He's actually. Is he forty? No, I think he's thirty-five. He's Thirty-six. Oh, well, he looks older. I've been good. I won. How much is you he went worth? over? <laughs> like Price is Right. Oh wait, hang on. I I'm went over say, by a, less than a year. It doesn't matter. You went over. Did you ever watch Price is Right up there in Merced? The hell's going on? Uh. So Five hundred million. Exactly right. Five hundred million. What? He went. Jeff Dotson makes, nails this, this freaking game. But look at I'm this. so terrible at this You're game. You're so Katie. good at this game. He, so annoying. He makes a hundred million a year. That says from here on out. So by the time he's done with this contract, he'll be a billionaire. Really? Yeah. Did you hear? What I heard. She said? I heard. It's true. She's, so she's absolutely mean. right. She's so yeah. Did you hear the point where she goes? You're so annoyed. Yeah. We I all said it's so annoying. Uh, ah, that's what she said. I'm trying to speak through it because I know Julie's freezing over here. <laughs> she's fine. All right. Here we go. Tiger Woods. Thanks. Oh. Tiger Woods? Tiger, Tiger Woods. Woods. Tiger Woods. God damn, he's what 43. a day for the... He's And he's worth 725. I'll oh. go that. He's 44 <laughs> and he's worth 900. Ooh, you wow. got half of it right. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to say he's uh Let's say he's 40 Three. I'm going to go younger. I'm going to say he's 43, and I'm going to say he's worth uh, 900 since you got half of it That's right. That's right. 45, 900 million. 45. Wow. 45. Wow. All right. Here we go. I'm, um, Matt Lauer. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. laughs> guy. How about Matt Lauer having that thing? See, Dave, as fucked up as we are, <laughs> right? We air everything here. Like, you guys know everything. Well, Matt Lauer had a, a buzzer. Under his desk that locked people in. That's terrible. Yeah. Creeper? Creeper. Um, I think he's 58. I think he's 64. 63. Okay. You want to guess the money? Oh, it probably went down. You think? Um, he's worth $200 million. Ooh, I like that, Julie. That's a pretty good call. I'm going to go, shit. Uh, I think Julie's really there. I'll go 180. It's 80. $80 million. Oh. So it go down. All right, here we go. Well, we all know Sandy Koufax because you guys saw it on TV. How much? Eighty-five. How much is Sandy Koufax worth? Oh, what do you think, Julie? Um, he's worth twelve million. I'm gonna say I'll go a little higher. I'll go uh, seventeen. Ten million dollars. God damn, that's right. terrible. Two more for you. We're gonna go with again. This is a crazy day. Every every year, it's, it's freaking nuts. Don't forget, December thirtieth is insane. These athletes, Carson Wentz. Ooh, uh, twenty-eight. Exactly right. Boom. Nice. Suck it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's worth 30 uh, okay, well I got the 28 part I'm going to say he's worth 20, 
I'll say twenty-six. Forty-five million dollars. God wow. damn, we're terrible at it. All right, last okay. one right here, Layla Ali. Oh shit! Would you date Layla Ali, knowing she could beat the shit out you know of you? What? And people love Layla Ali. Oh, she's great, man. You date her? Yeah. Hell yeah. You know she's married to, right? Yeah, Curtis Conway. Yep. Another great dude. Um, I think Layla, I just saw this because they want her to fight uh, Clarissa Shields. I think she's, Dave, I'm going to say she's uh, 37. How old do you think? I think she's 40. Uh, I think she's worth, God, now I don't know if, like, if we're figuring in money, but she, uh, I'm going to 20, I'm going to say. Yeah, 20. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to say she's worth uh, 24. 43, $10 million, it says. She's 43? It says 43 years old, $10 million. All right, here we go. We'll play this game a little bit. Katie uh, jumped out real quick, so we'll, we'll play it with you guys. Best TV show you guys watched in 2020 with this whole pandemic? Oh, I like that, Julie. What was the best uh, TV show? It had show? to be on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm just guessing, yeah. For yeah, me, yeah. too. Uh, I thought The Queen's Gambit was really good. I haven't seen that yet. I heard it was great. And The Crown was great. I didn't see that. I loved Ozark. That's what oh, yeah. I had. Ozark was great. I tell you what, man, the one I watched the other night, uh, The Undoing, with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, that was pretty wild. I like that. Uh, Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman. That's on HBO. And there's a bunch of things coming in. Uh, Katie, what's the? We were asking five questions. First one: What was the best TV show you watched in 2020 for the pandemic? Shit's Creek. Oh, goddamn, that show is funny. There you go. I just started that one. That is we, funny. We started in this house as well. I, by the way, I finally finished The Office. I was the last one to watch The Office. Yeah. Started What's your in best March. day for 2020? Ozark was, was my that favorite. That was really good. Okay, besides the coronavirus, what was the worst thing to happen? In my, 2020? Yep. My dad died. That's uh, really okay. bad. That's it. Yeah, that was. You know, uh, the thing is, and, and I said this to Katie, and I, I said this too. It's like you start looking at things different, Dave, right? You start looking at things different from the perspective of a dad. And I don't know Katie's brother, Mitch, but I know Josh, who's great, and Katie's great. That's just the one thing I said. As a dad, the one thing you want is just people like your kids. You just want them to be likable yeah. and, and cool, and you hope that they're successful. And I just I remember texting you that day. And I, I love Katie tells the story about her and her dad at the Masters that from a father's perspective, I just love because it's very easy for me to put myself in the shoes of your dad on that day. And it's just awesome being there with you. Uh, right, Katie? Am I, I mean, just, I know we're getting late, but can you just share that real quick about in that moment about you guys having lunch and, and just asking your dad what he wanted to do and what he tell you? He said, I just need a beer. I'm good. Yeah, he just said, we, I'm good, right? We did, the, yeah, we did the back nine and walked around the back nine. And then at the end, uh, he, we went to grab, we had one of each sandwich. We wanted to try each sandwich. Yeah. And then I said, are you ready for the, the front nine dad or what, or what else would you rather do? And he said, you know what? I just am going to get a beer. I I'm perfect. Good. And you go, man, Dave, you get it right. Like from a dad's and we were there in North park. I remember that day you telling me that. And, yeah, you just look at things different. But I just, it's very easy for me to believe that he had to be incredibly proud of you and your brothers. So, uh, yeah, I wish I'd, I wish I'd met him because I bet that would have been a fun conversation. Worst thing for 2020, oh, fucking Dodgers winning the World Series uh, by far. Yeah. Bullshit. I, God, Katie still owes me on a bet. Jeff fucked me over by fucking telling everybody in the world to block my Twitter account so I couldn't even enjoy <laughs> the moment. I that was, was super, Steve Woods. I was super that. pissed by that. Sorry. There you go. Steve Woods, that's funny. What about you, Julie? 
you know what? It, it was fine. It like happy, healthy, still have a job. I didn't have anything that really sucked, I guess. Yeah. Can There's I tell you my favorite thing in 2020? Well, that's the next question, but oh, go me, ahead. Can I finish? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I've been yelled at tonight. And now, uh, one of the reasons I did ask that question was because Katie's dad did, did deserve a mention. So I don't want to finish out 2020 yeah. without that. But yeah, we lost, we lost sugar, you know, which was our, our, right. our family dog, which obviously we love. I'm not comparing my dog to your dad at all. That's, I don't mean to insult you. I tell you what was probably most disappointing to me in 2020 was how divided we were uh, as oh a country. I was shocked and, and still am still yeah. shocked about the, uh, how upset people were about uh, the black lives matter. Yeah. About the George Floyd and, and people defending it. That was such a wake up call to me of where I thought we were as a country and where we actually are. And uh blew me away that it seemed like everything was instead of being 90, 10, it felt like it was 50, 50. It was such a, a disappointing, I guess, wake up call to think this is where we're at. I thought we're moving no. in the right direction. But for me, that was the that was the most disappointing thing to watch day in and day out outside of, of course, the coronavirus and everyone who lost lives or, or uh, obviously lost jobs and uh, trouble paying bills. Best thing since you're ready to, to answer that question. Yeah, it, it we talked about it the other day. Um, I had said at my job, I go, look, I, I don't I don't want to be on the road because I was on the road a lot in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they go, no, 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 you'll be fine. But we need you to go to Colorado Springs. So we went to Colorado Springs. And man, it was so fun to be at the stadium series, right? You're outside at the Air Force Academy and you're, you're watching everything go on. And it was just so amazing. And there was 50,000 people in there. You're elbow to elbow. The Kings are there. And then uh, I came back. And for the first time, I took a, a Greyhound. <laughs> Which for like an hour was fine. And then I thought I was getting murdered at the end when this guy asked me if I wanted to go drinking and and smoke weed. And I was like, holy shit. But then the next day, uh, Julie came and picked me up. And we went to to Evergreen, which was her hometown. We had so much fun. But before that, she said, hey, do you want to go out to Red Rocks? And I said, yeah, as a music fan, right? You too. What is it? Sunday Bloody Sunday? Isn't that yep, filmed there? It was filmed there. And so we're there, and she goes, we're standing there, we're taking it all in, and and she said, uh, you know, we could just go down the steps and be on the stage. I go, God damn. Dave and I were talking the, a couple of weeks ago. We've done it at the Hollywood Bowl. We did it the other night at Humphreys. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. But to do it at Red Rocks was like, this is great. And so I see this kid who's probably about 19, and his mom... And I said, hey, could I bug you to take a picture? He goes, yeah, absolutely. And so he stands, Dave, from me to you. And he takes about five pictures. And he goes, here you go. I go, God bless you, right? Bless your heart. So Dave, Julie and I go to Evergreen. (laughs) We're hanging out. We go to this little burger and beer place. And she says, hey, let me see that picture from Red Rocks. I go, you got it. I go grab my phone and I look and I go, what the fuck is this? And I said, and we said it the other day, I don't know, Dave, in my life, but I have laughed as hard as I laugh. You can't even see us. Looks yeah, like the guy took it from a satellite. It does. And, and I have five pictures like that. Like there's none where it's like we're in it. The guy just was like, yeah, let me get further away and further away. And that to me, and then that night, uh, Juliet in St. Seats for us at the Pepsi Center. But it, it's like that weekend when I look Crazy. at it. Yeah, I mean, everybody healthy and you got your job. Yeah. And, 
The Julie, what the fuck's he doing riding a Greyhound bus? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's the craziest thing. When he did it, so many messages came in of oh, what the fuck is he doing? Because an Uber, like... It's an it, hour and a half away, so it would yeah. have been a lot. There's no train. Yeah. I figured I could just take the Amtrak and a ham sandwich and uh, <laughs> fucking Julie. <laughs> and this. So mean. You've been so mean to me for 22 years. I t- our parents take the Amtrak, and I said, oh my God, the ham sandwich is great. And Julie... Deadpan goes, you know we're Jewish. And I was like, oh, fuck. They got a kick out of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that, that for me was incredibly fun. And it felt like the world was normal. That's the last time yeah. the world felt normal in a lot of ways. It was. It was like a couple weeks before. Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. Best thing? Uh, I don't have just one. I We talked a lot on this podcast about our professional lives. So now mm. I'm, I have a, I do a podcast as well, but um I basically do PR for a fire department and for the first time in my career, I have, I'm not afraid to lose my job. I'm not, I, I love the people I work with and I do have to say, it really bothers me now when people are talking about sports people and they talk about them as heroes because now I get to work with people that are amazing people and really are doing that. And so it's just, I just have this like peace that I think I never had. So yeah. That's awesome. Katie. I remember the first time when she first got her job and I was in Denver and she had her truck with all the oh. sirens. Oh, yeah. I have a car with lights and sirens, Do you really? too. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, she fired him off in the parking garage. I jumped about 90 Dude, feet in the it. air. She scared the shit out of him. That is cool. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. great. I have a badge. Do you really? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And she's got a scanner in her house. Yeah. Yeah. I have a uh, walkie-talkie. Oh, that's cool. It's she's like cool. the real-life Angie Dickinson. <laughs> police woman. Pepper. Yeah. <laughs> you are Pepper. Uh, Dave, yeah. what's the best? Oh, for me, it's the Dodgers, Lakers winning the championship yeah, this year. Wild. And Alabama's yeah. undefeated right now. Might have a chance to get three of them at one time. So, yeah, no, that was that was cool. For me, it's, honestly, the, the Dodger thing was a big deal. It was, yeah. no, it was number one. We, we talked about this on the show, and not only because I had a, a bet with Katie when they knocked off her Braves. and it, You had to be confident when you were up three to one. But, um, no, so so my younger son, Jake, obviously a huge Dodger fan. And I got it, – it's right there pointing to Julie and, and Katie. But I had a, had Jake that I paid for to be at Dodger Stadium the entire season. Oh, cool. And I knew he, yeah. w- he would have loved it. I thought Rita would fight me on it when I told her what I was going to do. And it was right by the bullpen. So anytime somebody came in from the bullpen or a ball was yeah. hitting that direction, I, I saw him all the time. I watched oh, every single awesome. game. Yeah. And so, yeah, of course, you root for your teams every year. But this year was really important to me. And so that was that was really cool. And so uh, overall, that was that was a great moment So for the Dodgers winning. It felt like, you know, Jake was part of it and I was part of it. And uh, just uh, just a team that we followed together was cool. Yeah. That was really cool. Jake was so cute. That's, that's he's all when I first met him. <laughs> yeah. He's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the best. It was, yeah. it was really good. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And of course, uh, of course, uh, Julia has an early flight tomorrow, so keep yeah. thinking. I haven't seen Julia in almost twenty years. Yeah, we've. It's, isn't that, is that crazy? crazy? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Almost, almost twenty years. I hear years. about you a lot. And I, listen to <laughs> yeah. I saw that beautiful picture of you and Jeff from about eight hundred feet away. <laughs> so uh, I keep in touch. I hate to do this, but we have to. Uh, somebody who has been incredibly close to this show and maybe maybe one of our biggest supporters. Is Steve Verismo. Steve yes. Verismo is Radio Guy 76 on Twitter. But on plenty of days for this show, whether we were at Extra or whether we were here on the podcast, you just need certain people outside of the circle uh, to keep you going. 
And when we started there, we hit it off with Steve a lot because Dave and I would be there on the weekends doing college football Saturday, and he'd be in the building. And he has become such a valued friend that we always say friends are family. Stevie V absolutely is family. We absolutely had our heart broken yesterday when we found out that Steve's granddaughter passed away. As as a parent of two kids that came from the NICU, when you have kids in the NICU, it changes your life because my son Jack was two and a half pounds when he was born and came home 13 years ago this week. Uh, my son Cade was three pounds and came home 13 years ago, spent five weeks there, literally Every day you spend hours in there and you see the families and there are days when the curtain is pulled and you know what is going on. And it, like I said, it just changes you. Steve's family has been through three babies that were born uh, in the NICU and it happened again nine days ago. And I just, we sent him a message. We sent him love because his family includes Craig Meddy. It includes Pointer Dave and everybody in that Verismo family. But it is so hard for me tonight to try to express in words the pain that I feel for you, that Dave feels for you, Steve. Uh, we're absolutely heartbroken, and we love you very much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, looking forward to 2021. It'll be a great year. Be safe. So let